save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to this podcast, Season 5, Episode 6. My name is Timothy. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Greetings from the Great White North. We also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Jaime, you remember last week when we talked about the term historic and how bad yes. it was to be on the bad end of something historic? Does, does it hurt, like, a week later to have your team associated with the term historic? It is strange. Um, it, it could be seen as negative. It's like, you know, 18 innings and, and a, and a one nothing loss. But truly, we didn't, you know, even though the, the books will say that we lost, you know, in a series sweep, the, that would be the Seattle Mariners losing in a series sweep to uh, Houston Astros. Really, from a fan's perspective, we had a draw in game three and then immediately <laughs> played game four. And that's where we lost one nothing in, in 18 innings, two full games worth of baseball that occurred. It was, I think it was like one o'clock innings. Yeah, really? I, I, yeah. I started watching them around 1 p.m. Pacific time. And then it was like 730, almost eight o'clock. Like I was actually, I uh, had another screen up watching the, uh, Yankees and Guardians play and I was like oh my gosh they they might finish before we do and they were like the later game <laughs> that doesn't make any sense it's nuts so yeah. do they have that many pitchers that they can keep rotating them in and out it was getting it was getting low I think um if they had gone further the Mariners would have run out of normal pitchers and would have had to like you know get fielders who can pitch at some point the the Astros had decided to put starters in as the bullpen so they they could have gone a little longer so, yeah, it, to, to hear your point, Jonathan, that's kind of a weird sort of connection of fate, right? To be on, on both yes. sides of history in yes. back-to-back series is, is nuts. Yeah. Uh, it was pointed out to me by one of our uh, listeners, uh, you can guess which one, that uh, I still owe you for the for the first series. So we'll have to figure out, we'll have to settle that one up at some point. Yeah, it didn't have like a immediacy date on it. And it never does. Uh, for, mm. you know, we were trying to do like the, the real world thing that, Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, um, I think it was like the Seattle Seahawks versus the Carolina Panthers in the NFL. And I think the Seahawks were victorious that year. So they got something. The mayor of Seattle mm-hmm. got something from Carolina. I don't remember what it was. I do remember the, the if we had lost part, Seattle would have sent uh, some nice smoked salmon and stuff. And they don't send it like the next day. It was, <laughs> you know, several weeks later, you know, they get around to handling it and they kind of make a big show of it. And it's kind of a nice, you know, fun time kind of thing for the the local broadcasters on, on both cities. Yeah. The other one that they do up here for some of the hockey playoffs is that you have to uh, wear the other team's jersey for the day to your work. So you have to go in support mm. of, you know, so if, if it's a Leafs versus Canadians or something like that, you have to wear the, the sweater of your hated rival around proudly for the day, uh, which 
And as you walk Poyo through the neighborhood. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's a rough. Uh, that's a rough one for that one. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out on on how we're gonna settle up on the bet here, and uh, you know, make it a part of the show. I think. All right. Can we do a podcast now? Oh, all right. If we must. All right. Well, start off with some fact check. Um, last week, I was trying to struggle to remember the name of the movie Orphan. I said Orphan during the show, and I was actually correct. That is the name of the movie about a couple that adopt a scary-looking nine-year-old. Uh, which was actually played by a 10-year-old actress. But uh, the, the spoilers, if you haven't watched the movie yet, um, but it turns out that it's not... I, the, the character's actually an adult woman who just never grew uh, big. Um, and Paradoxus is a genus of moth from the family Unpronounceable. Um, <laughs> Which is uh, interesting. I don't know if you noticed last week's episode, I called it, uh, what did I call it? Three rings, two something or other, and a, and a moth, right? Yep. So the moth is the paradoxus. There's the Easter egg for you from last week's show. And uh, we'll move on to some sad news in the headlines. Yeah. So I think we kind of knew which way the wind was blowing on this stuff, but uh, there's a story that has been percolating the last couple of days. Netflix sent out a notification to its users saying, you know, we're enabling this new function that is going to allow you to transfer profiles. And, you know, that was a little suspicious. We were like, why would you need to transfer a profile? They're like, well, you know, people move, things happen, people get divorced, you might want to take your profile with you. I'm like, all right. And then the other shoe dropped and they were like, yeah, we're going to start charging if you have extra users. So, yeah, it seems like the uh, the crackdown that they've been promising is uh, is in the offing. They say that they're going to start charging a monthly fee to accounts that share passwords in early 2023. I, it still is not clear how they're going to do this. They announced this during their quarterly earnings, uh, and they did say that they're up subscribers. So I guess they've got their swagger back. But uh, I don't know. What are, you, are you guys taking this seriously? So does that mean that you have four people in your house? You're going to have to pay. For, aren't you already paying for like a family sort of privilege? I think I don't. I, that's the part I'm a little unsure of. So it doesn't seem like they're going to charge you for other profiles. They're going to charge you for other uh, accounts, essentially. So, so when you're traveling in the United States and you log into your home account, they're going to charge you for that? I don't know. That's, that's the part that's really murky. And we talked about that previously, that I don't know how they police it. Like, if I chose to watch Netflix on my account at work, when I'm at work, I'm entitled because I pay for their service. Are they going to be like, no, you can't log in from that location because it's not your home? That seems pretty sketch. So I'm confused and mildly concerned. Yeah, I, I don't see this going well for... I mean, because there are legitimate cases where you would be at a different IP address, for example. Um, like your work and your home would have a different IP address. That would be the only... And maybe geolocation, that would be the only way that they could sort of pinpoint where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like where the members of your family are, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, theoretically, you know, your your kids could be on the school bus or the city bus, you know, going to cl- going to class and catching up on their netflix right 100 percent. and i could be taking it anywhere across the country as and the world as you both have too so yeah, i, I, I don't know how they to... actually put the technology in place for this that's the part maybe you guys have insight but i don't understand how you put the technology in place 
Other than like well, some severe let, tracking software. So, mm. well, I mean, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're subscribing to a service which they have control over. So let's think about this, right? Let's suppose that, you know, you have, you, you have your Jonathan account and you log in at your home address, your home IP address, right? Mm -hmm. And then another member of your family logs in at a different IP address. Right, they could con they could connect the profile, the Jonathan profile, with the home IP, and that other address, that other profile, with another IP, and then they could say, "Well, this other IP never logs in from your home address, for example, or your home IP." So then they could sort of between the two of them make an educated guess, you know, with proof that in fact you're it, you're logging in from two. I'm doing air quotes locations, right? And then, then they could determine whether or not there should, in fact, be two accounts being paid for. So do you... The reasoning behind this is, obviously, they feel like they're missing out on potential earnings, and they want well, to they increase are. their subscription base. <laughs> do you think this has that effect, or do you think this is a backlash moment? We talked about how Netflix is not the best service in the world right now. In the two, in the early two thousands, there was this band that played metal music, um, <laughs> you know, and they went after a sharing site that got, eventually got shut down, right? Because they weren't prepared for you know the the, the type of lawsuit they ended up with. I guess I'm, I forget why Netflix or not Napster closed down, but um, it's the same sort of thing. Like like it's I could see this being something they could do today, right? But you know. Like, like there's, there's, here's another example, right? And this may be a better, better example is that, you know, they, they call it right of way, right? Where, you know, at the back of my house, the way I park my car, I have to drive about six feet across my neighbor's back driveway, right? To get in, to park my car in my spot, right? So in theory, I have right of way over that person's driveway because I've been doing it for 20 years, right? You follow me? Yeah. So the fact that the service, I mean, notwithstanding, none of us have read the, the Netflix legal agreement when we all went, okay, whatever, when we first signed <laughs> up, but it might have a clause in that it says, irrespective of right of way, even though you've been doing this for 20 years, we reserve the right to change the rules. And they, I'm sure they have that clause in there, right? In that case, they could say, you know, what I, the, my theory that I just came up with in my head, my, you know, with my considerable IT experience that they could marry your your profile to your IP and then determine that, you know, these two, and there must be two entities here because they never log in from the same IP address, for example, or the same geolocation, geolocation, right? So they could determine that you're sharing with someone other than yourself, right? Yeah. Which I can't imagine anybody doing that, but, um, you know, like, like they have, they, they own, it's their, it's their box. It's their, their tool. It's their toy, right? They, it's their bat, their ball. They can take it home if they want. Right. Although, you know, um, I go back to that, that metal playing band and that file sharing service, you know, and that didn't work out really well because I mean, to this day, you know, none of the stuff that, that Metallica was fighting against has been stopped. Right. No, we still, you know, <laughs> do, do you want to repeat the anecdote that we used to share about Metallica's policy on downloading? 
What your your your, home, your personal policy? Yes, my personal policy. Yeah, Jonathan used to anytime he went onto Napster to get a file, he would make sure that he downloaded a Metallica song first and immediately <laughs> threw it out, just out of spite, <laughs> just to burn the bits, yep. burn the bits. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I think you know this is less of a of a technical kind of question. Um, certainly, there are different things that might give them signals. I think it's more of a product management question of how much are you willing to lose goodwill because there's already been you know bad publicity for a long time and they haven't even had actual stories yet right of like oh you know here was this one person and they were using it honestly but you know false positive got picked up by their system and the door slammed in their face and they're probably, uh, you know, a minority of some sort. They're probably uh, disadvantaged in some way. Like there are just all sorts of reporters that have already writ up the, written up the entire story and they're just waiting for like the demographic details to fill in and an actual name. So if you have that in mind, I think you go with a very careful hand of some things that are pretty obvious, right? Like simultaneous streams that couldn't possibly be legitimate, right? Um, you were already talking about some of those. So start with some easier stuff that is less problematic. And keep in mind the philosophy that I'm going to gr- bring up a Princess Leia quote to Grand Moff Tarkin, right? The more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. And that's the, the sort of crux of this. Yes, they could hypothetically squeeze out the moochers, but how many of those moochers are actually going to translate into paying customers given that you are explicitly calling them moochers, right? Um, It feels more negative than what they would gain out of it, even though I understand the business reason for trying to grow when you've had growth problems this uh, this quarter notwithstanding. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this plays out. Really curious to see how this plays out. Yeah, well, we'll we'll have to wait and see, you know, um, I don't. I don't know what that'll do for Netflix's uh, thing, but I mean, if, if people really want to watch Netflix, they're gonna they're gonna pay for it, right? Yeah, but I mean, this goes back to our conversation that we've been having throughout this year. Disney Plus, Disney Plus has eclipsed them. They're a better yeah. streaming service right now with more content and a lower price point by a significant margin. It's almost half as much. Netflix has been publicly cutting projects because. They've spent like mad, and eventually the bill comes due. I wonder if this is for some people just the tipping point. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I you know when I think about the shows that I watch, you know, it's primarily I'm primarily watching on apps that I that I get through my cable subscription anyway. I watch Prime stuff. I watch Disney stuff. I, I probably go to Disney probably three times a week for different things, right? Mm-hmm. Especially lately, and. Um, yeah, and then Apple TV is my other go-to go-to service, right? So I, I very rarely go to Netflix unless there's something specific that that they have that I, I want to watch, right? Yeah, yeah, and they do have some quality shows. Again, you know, I know you were a big fan of Ozark. Stranger Things has yeah. been great. There, there is undoubtedly quality products on there. It's just and the one with Princess Bean, um, Disenchantment. Oh, Disenchantment. Yeah, again, but there's. There's no shortage of good shows on there. The question is, right now, short of Stranger Things Season 5, I just don't know if there's enough. I mean, we talked about it uh, over the summer. I don't know if there's enough to even hold me there 
right now. We talked about, you know, the, the sustainability model. We talked about their delivery model where it's basically like, hey, we've got this thing. You get it all at once and you can walk away. Well, that's that's the Jaime Lopez effect, right? You 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 download the service, mm-hmm. you get it for a month, you plow through all the stuff you want, you cancel the service. When something else drops you want, you re-pick up the service and you watch it again. Why am I spending $24 a month when there are months when you're not putting any content on I want? Whereas the Disney Pluses and the, the Paramount Pluses and other apps are out there that are giving me content consistently. Or at least with Prime, I'm still taking advantage of Prime delivery and everything else. What's Netflix mm-hmm. done for me lately? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. Remind me, I got to go turn off my Audible subscription. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I went into, I, there was a book I wanted to, wanted to, how many credits do I have right now? I have one credit. Crap. And that's going to be the way it's going to be with Netflix, with me probably, right? I, I mean, I don't see why I'm spending money on it right now. Because I'm not watching anything there. I mean, there's a few things I want to go back and watch, but I'm not dying to kill, to keep, you know, killing myself to go watch them, right? Yeah. And yeah. There's series that I would definitely get it the month that something comes out. The Stranger Things, The Sandman. There, there are quality shows, undoubtedly. But if you're going to drop them all at once, and I don't have to pay for three straight months like I would for a Star Trek season or for, uh, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever it is on another service what's the enticement to make me pay for 12 months worth now? Well, that's exactly the point. That's exactly a good point too. We hadn't talked about it. It's the binge factor, right? Because I mean, Netflix doesn't do the Apple TV and the the Prime and the Disney model where they, they give you a show a week. That way they've got you hook, hook, line and sinker, literally, right? Because if you want to watch the show and you're enjoying it, you have to come back every week to watch it, right? Whereas Netflix, they throw it all out there at once. I mean, I think that that's probably the mistake in their model right there, right? They should probably change that and go to, to have some things like, like if they had Ozarks come out once a week, they totally could have had me for like eight weeks or whatever it was, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, like no question, it's that good a show, right? But uh, yeah, the fact that I can sit down and polish off a show in like a day and a half or two days, you know. There's no, there's no reason to to maintain that. They should, they they need to change. That's what they should change, right? In mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, I, we, man, I think we talked about it for some of the Sandman. I think was the example that we talked about in a previous episode. Fantastic show. It was talked about for four or five days and then dropped off the face of the earth. And exactly, yeah. It, to me, it doesn't make sense that model for that reason. But beyond that, you know, again, our, our man Jaime was was the leading edge of this stuff. If you don't need a service for nine months out of 12, don't pay for it. Yeah, we've even, mm-hmm. even there's even a, a, a known saying, the Jaime Lopez calculus, right? Absolutely. It's, it's <laughs> Absolutely. Our man Jaime, he's the smartest man out there. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's move over to Jaime and his, uh, his uh, sneak peek there. Yeah, speaking of, of content to watch, so coming on November 17th on HBO Max is... The nearly 40 years later sequel um, to A Christmas Story, the the holiday classic. So A Christmas Story Story, sorry, A Christmas Story Christmas, got the repetition wrong. A Christmas Story Christmas (laughs) is going to, you know, continue on with uh, a now adult Ralphie returning to his childhood home and he's got his own kids and he wants them to have an experience just like he did back in back in the 40s. Uh, this one apparently taking place in the 1970s, so giving a different perspective on how life has changed and everything. So it is, uh, I, I looked it up, 1983 is when that movie came out. 
and mm-hmm. uh, shot in if you're like me oh really okay oh yeah partially, partially shot in toronto yeah partially shot in ohio partially shot in toronto but you can recognize parts of toronto it looks like toronto i grew up in it's one of those ones and i, I don't know if they do anything like this uh, over in canada but in the usa it's like tbs or tnt usa possibly all three have the rights to this so starting on christmas eve the december 24th they start playing it for like 24 hours so it goes really far into christmas day and it's just on repeat loop because what else i mean there's not a lot of really good television content and this is kind of a heartwarming thing where during that 24 hours i end up watching the entire movie in this completely random order right it's like oh uh, there's been a little break in the discussion. Oh, let's watch 10, 15 yeah. minutes of this show that's on in the background to give a Christmassy feeling. Which scene is it? Oh, it's the one where Santa Claus, uh, you know, pushes him down the slide. What's <laughs> oh, this one? Oh, it's when the dogs oh, put your eat eye the, out. The, 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 the turkey or the duck or whatever it is. They have, the turkey. Actually. The turkey, yeah, the and, dogs. Yeah, and, and those are not like necessarily in the sequence. They're not even remotely close time-wise, I think. And I haven't sat down and watched the actual movie from beginning to end in sequence it's more like almost like an anthology series within the movie uh there there is an overarching plot line yes but it's very episodic in the way it's structured so i wonder if they will follow that kind of approach here or if it'll be something you kind of have to pay a little bit more attention to to get everything that's one of the it's going to be one of the hardest things it's really hard to come up with a sequel to a movie some four decades later yeah but uh, hey it, it streams real good on hbo Max's. This is going to be the, the sort of main thing. And it's an HBO Max exclusive? I didn't see anything about theaters. It says hitting HBO Max in the teaser and everything. So hmm. I don't know that it's... And it's coming out, um, you know, it's it's holidays for, for the Americans. Uh, that is leading into about a week or so prior to our Thanksgiving. So not unreasonable to have it there, hit that holiday. Since it's streaming, it costs you nothing. Why not stream it again during Christmas Day, Christmas Eve? Um, Sure, I can, I can see why they released it where they released it, but it doesn't appear to be in theaters. I want to see. I'd go watch the original one in theaters for sure. <laughs> it's just a classic. It, re- it really is one of the handful. We watch, as a family, we make a point in December of watching a few different things. We always watch Christmas Vacation. We always watch, and <laughs> Xavier and I always watch uh, Die Hard, uh, you know, because it is a Christmas movie. I don't care what people say. And yeah, Christmas Story is definitely on that list of things we try and watch every single year because it just it stands the test of time. It's so funny. There's so many funny scenes. The number of times that even just random times during the year will say it's a major award. Like we, you just find yourself spitting out, you know, you'll, you'll shoot your eye out. There's all these great lines. So, yeah, I, I hope they can recapture some of that magic because it's it's a classic. Yeah. Well, our, our one of our guest hosts, George Domalopoulos, has a full size leg lamp in his house. <laughs> that that checks. Yeah. Fragile. Fragile. It's it Italian. Italian. <laughs> exactly. It must be. And and the furnace. Or, you know, the furnace. if you own a house, you've had you've had to fight with your furnace, right? So <laughs> for sure. I like uh, I like the part where he talks about his dad swearing, where he's talking about how his you know, his, some people work in clay, some people work in paints. My dad worked in vulgarity. Yes, he was an artiste that way for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. What other waste of time you have for us, Jaime? Well, it depends on how you how you feel here. So uh, Tim is providing a very different perspective on the trailer for Creed 3, which will be in theaters and IMAX 
March 3rd of 2023. So this is, that is by James Cameron, Creed 3. I don't know who is no, directing. It was Michael like B. Jordan was directing it. Oh, so not only the star, but also the wow. director, huh? Yeah. Oh. Huh. This continues the series of the illegitimate son of Apollo Creed from the Rocky, uh, Rocky Balboa series. And uh, the first one, it was about sort of you know, coming to grips with, with that legacy and becoming a, um, you know, a professional heavyweight boxer. And part two brought back Ivan Drago. So he fought Ivan Drago's son and dealing with that legacy of that uh, relationship. This one apparently is closer to home in his own story where it was like a childhood friend or something who like went to prison. So that's the guy who that he, uh, he ends up having to, I guess perhaps to box, but certainly to deal with as a, an antagonizing force in his life. Uh, these are movies that are actually pretty well done. I know it seems like, Oh, just boxing, but done, but Michael B. Jordan does a really good job. Of these. So, and Ryan Coogler is the director of the first two. He's also the person behind uh, Black Panther and in the upcoming Black Panther Wakanda Forever and Fruitvale Station and other things. He's he's a terrific filmmaker. So I I guess that's the question mark around number three is will it lose some of the magic without Ryan Coogler? Good good question. I mean I can tell you I still remember seeing Rocky in the theater in the seventies. Like I mean it was it that whole franchise is is pretty interesting. I mean it, it kind of went off the rails there for five and six i think was there a rocky six i can't remember i believe there is wasn't it called what well, was a rocky balboa or something rocky return yeah rocky balboa yeah pretty much six yeah and that's with uh yeah that uh other actor who played his son but um yeah and and yeah these these are like this is like the third of the second you know iteration it's like the rocky movie the rocky franchise is sort of the gift that keeps on giving right so yeah that's cool yeah, I don't know if I've seen Creed two though. I I know I think I saw Creed one, but that, that um, Sylvester Stallone's in the first one, right? Yes, and I believe he's, he's in the second the with um, you know, facing off with Ivan Drago and his son. The the basic premise is that um, the the wife left him. That was uh, Bridget Nielsen. Oh yeah, was the wife in in uh, Rocky four, and the premise is that the uh, that she was so you know, shamed by her husband's loss to the, the dirty American that uh, she left him, Ivan Drago, and his son. So he raised his son in like this, like, I need to live vicariously through you, that you, you prove that you can bring back our family on her kind of thing. Oh, interesting. So it's more than just the punches, Tim. The punches are very enjoying, uh, uh, joyful. Uh, I did see Creed two in theaters, and they did a really good job of making you feel like, oh my gosh, this would be terrifying to face off against a monster like this punching you in the face yeah yeah totally i did i just did try boxing and, and i went to a private school for a couple of years and, and they had boxing one year and, and never ever again yeah i got i got my uh handed to me as it were <laughs> and in a matter of seconds it was just like you know sparring was one thing but when you get in a ring with somebody and, and it's like you, you one of you has to come out as a victor <laughs> i was not prepared for that dynamic Anyway, and it hurt. So over to John for some stuff. Stuff? I have some stuff. Yeah, the, uh, the, the next thing I've got is another weird one. So it came out this week that James Gunn, who is, I guess, finishing up Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So 
we know he has sort of had this sort of up and down, back and forth kind of experience. So he was he did the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies, both very, very, very popular. Uh, then some of his past tweets came to light, and there was uh, a bit of a scandal. He was fired from doing Guardians three. He signed to do the new Suicide Squad movie, The Suicide Squad, with uh, Warner Brothers in DC. And then after some time had sort of cooled down, Disney rehired him so that he could come back and do Guardians 3, because basically it sounded like the cast was not going to do a Guardians 3 without him. And so I guess the question was, is sort of Guardians 3 the hit his swan song with working with the MCU? And it might be, because he's apparently working on a secret movie uh, in set inside the DCU. What it is, is very unclear. Um, I did see some hilarious memes where people were speculating. They're like, well, they've done Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad, so the next one should be A Suicide Squad, or (laughs) some other variation on, you know, Suicide Squad uh, in its title. But I think... uh, it's a strange thing. I don't know how you guys feel, but I think The Suicide Squad is probably the best DCU movie I've seen since Wonder Woman. Yeah. I'd, possibly. Yeah. I, I would say mm-hmm. probably those two would be my high water marks for the last five, six years. He did a great job. And, you know, he clearly has a sense of humor that he brings to his projects. He has, uh, you know, clearly an eye for action scenes and everything else. So the idea of him going back and working in the DCU is interesting, except that the DCU right now is a catastrophe. They are not putting out very many good things, as you know, we just talked about. I can only name two movies that I really liked over the last like five or six years. And the new movie that's coming out this weekend is Black Adam, and it's getting scorched uh, in its reviews this week. Not good. Not good. Uh, yeah. Mm. Getting, I read the New York Times review, I read the Variety review, and the, the Hollywood Reporter review, and they were all pretty scathing. So, uh, and I don't know if you guys have seen the spoilers, and I won't, I won't spoil it here, but there's a post-credit scene that sort of tips to where Black Adam might go next that is tied into more DCU stuff. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what to make of them anymore, and. As much as I love James Gunn, and I'm excited that he might be making more movies, and I'm sure he'll do a good job, I'm just not feeling love for that universe. And and I guess I should be fair. The Batman, the, the Robert Pattinson movie, was good. But it's not even clear yeah. if that's set in this sort of same DCEU kind of thing. So, I, I don't know. But what do you guys think of all this? But I mean, the Batmans and the Supermans, those are all part of this this group of dc movies right like and the justice league and stuff yeah like that, the right? justice league and, the, and the superman v batman oh and that aquaman thing and right? aquaman so, the yeah. two wonder woman movies yeah the justice league movie um and then the superman the man of steel uh one as well so all of those are all interconnected and in theory the flash movie is also in kind of a weird place. We've talked about that on previous episodes where, you know, the star, the star of the show has gotten into some hot water is also supposed to be tied into that. And theoretically, so was the, um, the, the Batgirl movie that got kiboshed. So it's kind of a mess. And I'm, again, as I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also kind of 
off-put. Jaime, are you are you into this? Uh, this being the DC cinematic universe in general, Black Adam. I I think I lost where. Yeah, I guess just where 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 is this going? Like, where do you think that James Gunn is the guy who can revitalize this? Is there some project? Is there any character you can think of off the top of your head where you'd be like, well, if he worked on, oh, Dead Man, if he did, uh, you know, New Gods, like, where, what could they do? Like, Gu- Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe Green Lantern reboot? Like, what what could he do that would be enough to motivate you to be like, oh, i give that a shot? I think for me, I'll give him the shot anyways, because I think he makes enjoyable movies, and that's independent of does this enjoyable movie help spur this larger franchise, which they seem to struggle to get off the ground. Um, So I think enjoying something like the suicide squad and um, other bits, I probably will, you know, be excited and and go for it, but I won't go in expecting. And then this is what really gets the DC cinematic universe, you know, into the tier of the MCU. Um, like, I, I just don't expect that to happen because they've had all sorts of weird uh, fits and starts on this. And um, because of the relationship with Warner Brothers and uh, HBO, I'm like, well, stream's real good, if nothing else, right? <laughs> it's gonna, I just got to wait 45 days and uh, it'll, it'll stream and I'll, I'll see for myself. Um, I think that's where I'm at. Like, I, I'm excited to see his movie. I'm not necessarily hitching my hopes to the, the wagon that is. And this is what. It makes it all worth it for DC. It just becomes more of a, an independent um, comic book issue or independent episode, in in a sense. Yeah. No desire to see Black Adam, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't really... I'm familiar with the character. I was kind of hopeful because it is sort of DC's first... You know, they did the Suicide Squad. They did the Harley Quinn movie. So I guess they've done the anti-hero hero kind of thing but never on the scale of like Superman strong, which is what Black Adam is. And to make him a person of color, I think is a good choice to to highlight another like prominent, dominant uh, person of color. And then obviously, you know, Dwayne Johnson's extremely likable and extremely charming. And so it's got the ingredients, but I mean, some of the words that they were using to describe it in the uh, reviews were words like soulless, uh, joyless, um, exhausting, those are not words you want associated with your movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's not ideal. Yeah. Oh, Joker's in one of the movies in here too, right? In this, this universe. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I know. I know. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I, the, I, again, I'm not as deeply invested in, in both plan, both worlds as you are, right? In terms of all the stories and characters and stuff, but. Um, I probably know more DC characters from growing up and reading comic books and stuff like that than than I do um, Marvel, right? Mm. Other than say Spider Man, right? You know, I mean, I've learned X Men and and uh, you know all that Thanos stuff, all that. All my approach to that is is strictly through the movies, not through any of the books, right? So, or cartoons or or video games or whatever, right? Yeah, I'll have to wait and see, I guess. Hopefully it doesn't get canceled before they uh, put it in the theater. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't write down all your $90 million movies. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you can. Uh, yeah. All right. Last up, uh, this one, I just, I got, I got no words to put to this one. Uh, R.I.P.D. Part 2. Do you guys remember, did you watch R.I.P.D.? 
This is the one with Jeff Bridges and um and, and, and Canada's uh, own Dead, Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadpool yes, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I've only I've only ever seen it like as Jaime sort of says it'll be on like TBS or something like that, and I'll and I'll flip by and I'll watch like ten minutes of it, and then I'll get bored and move on to something else, you know. But um, I've never actually sat and watched it from beginning to end. Yeah, um, it's sort of like a like a variation of Men in Black, right? Yep. Um, is how I would that would be my elevator pitch for it. So yeah, Men in Black with, with ghosts, but not aliens. That's that's pretty much what we're talking about. It's, oh, mm-hmm. it's ghosts, mm-hmm. right? It's R.I.P. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Get yeah. it. So I don't know. I, I I don't I don't know if I need a I don't need a um I don't need a uh, sequel sequel or a prequel in this case. I'm not watching it. Jaime, yeah, are you an R.I.P.D. fan? It didn't have name recognition, and then when I saw who was in it, I was like, oh yeah, I do remember. Like Tim says, probably watching it on TBS or something where, oh, okay. I don't think I sat down and watched it either. I saw probably a good chunk of it, but I don't remember how it ends. So I don't believe I finished it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's got a resounding like in the 20s on, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not a well-regarded movie. I think nice. like all things comic book, they kind of build these things hoping that maybe there'll be a, a whole lot of them. But in this case, no. It's been how many years? I think it says in here, like 13 years, 2013. So uh, sorry, it's only nine years since they made the original. So they're doing a sequel and it's uh, it's not starring Ryan Reynolds because seriously, it's not starring Jeff Bridges. Uh, R.I.P.D. 2 Rise of the Damned, a prequel following the character played by uh, Jeff Bridges, Wild West lawman Roy Pulsifer. Uh, as he becomes part of the IPD, this time he's played by Jeffrey Donovan, who is one of the stars of Burn Notice, and uh, it basically explains how he died and sort of tells you his his backstory. And uh, yeah, it's it's coming out on the fifteenth of November, and you can watch trailer online or you can watch the first eight minutes if you go to Universal's website. So if you want to, if you want to, you know, tip yourself up to the edge of it. Uh, it, yeah, it looks like it's coming to, uh, it's like a, a direct to, uh, the iTunes store, or Google play store kind of, kind of picture where you can buy the Blu-ray. So it isn't even getting a, a streaming release necessarily. So home premiere, they call it uh, yeah, home, right? home premiere. I guess that's, I guess that's it. Although usually home premiere, they don't put out the physical version on the same day. So that's something else, I guess, but. Oh, you mean you can buy a disc and, or on iTunes and. Oh, okay. So you can own it, in other words, right? You can. Well, how about that? I used to call that direct-to-video, and that was like for yep. kid yep. movies. that's pretty much what we're talking about here is direct-to-video, yep. Yeah. Well, it must be that good. <laughs> I want to get it into people's hands right away. Uh, yeah, so I now know it to get my uncle for Christmas. Your uncle? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> my, my uncle, who has had occasionally in the past some questionable taste in his, uh, his movie-watching. Wasn't it based on the, the front cover of the box was pretty much yeah. what sold him? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, then at least you got a, you got one of your Christmas gifts off the list there. <laughs> All right. So we'll move on to the main part of the show where we talk about something related to Star Trek and the Star Trek universe as, as we're called podcast, right? And uh, this week we're talking about Star Trek Lower Decks. Season 3, Episode 9, Trusted Sources. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, we'll just, we'll collect some uh, elevator pitches from the gang. What do you got there, John? 
Pen. Yeah, so uh, my, my elevator pitch was, as the Cerrito visits some TNG haunts, a misunderstanding drives a wedge between Freeman and Mariner. How about you, Jaime? Mine was, was pretty close. I went with the, um, you know, the USS Cerritos is on a mission for second contact with Picard's mission leftovers, <laughs> but that's complicated by the introduction of an FNN reporter. So... Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty close. Pretty Slightly close. different order. Yeah, I, I, I think it's funny though because this has always been one of those conversations that not just Trek nerds but sci-fi nerds have had for years and years and years. Is they do these mission of the week storylines, but they never go back. And they they paid that off in a really big way by doing Wrath of Khan. Right, that was like the biggest payback on. Hey, remember that episode? Here's a bigger. But this is Sadi Sadi Alpha Alpha, Six. Yeah, that's right. So. It's true, but then there's so many of those storylines where you're like, but then what happened? So the idea of, of they call it operate, or Project Swing By, I, within the, like, as soon as they said the phrase Project Swing By, I started laughing hysterically. Like, it just, it's so on the nose for nerds. It's just so perfect to, to go back and circle back and, and not, just, not just go back to an old TNG story, but kind of mock it as they go and there's so many great moments the scene with the mural on the planet just had me in stitches yeah yeah so yeah so i mean the the backstory is that picard you know in in his infinite wisdom finds that that one planet is two planets neighboring each other and i I have not seen the episode but i just got this from the show that the one planet was um serving the other planet with drugs and everybody was addicted to this thing and picard basically broke the the connection you know and therefore freeing the uh, the drug addicts from from being abused by their by their neighboring planet and then left yep right and then 20 20 years later they go back and, and the mural that john's talking about is you know they they were they were all on they were all like you know looking like drug addicts and that, that kind of stuff and then uh, you know for years after picard left it's like mayhem because they're all in withdrawals you know, and so the, the muralists are all like, you know, killing it, eyes bugging out and pulling our, their arms out of their sockets and stuff. And then they discover health and fitness and like Apple Watch apps and stuff like that. And they, they start, you know, now, now they're all into, you know, working out and things. Right. And they're, they're good. They don't need the Federation. Right. <laughs> so but yeah, it's just sort of like you pull the plug on these guys and then, you know, it's one thing to cut an addict off. It's another thing to help them through the withdrawal symptoms that come afterwards. Right. Yeah. But it's the, it's the line where he, he says, you know, it was pretty rough for the first 10 or 15 years, but after that, we were fine. Yeah. <laughs> they toughed it out. It's like they got over the withdrawal symptoms and, <laughs> and made it through the, the tough part. Yeah. yeah. I love that they show it that one point where the mural is there and the mural shows the Enterprise basically buggering off into space and all of them reaching their hands out like, don't go. And then the middle of the mural is just chaos and blood and terror and the other side is fine like oh just so funny yeah yeah that was a good one yeah i i had to look it up i i i recognized the premise when they mentioned it but as soon as i took a look at the uh i think it was memory alpha had the synopsis of the episode uh which was uh season one episode 22 is called symbiosis for tng as soon as I saw it, I recognized some of the actors and I remembered the episode. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, I remember that episode. And it came yeah, screaming back because that's another one of those weird ones, too, where like the Enterprise gets in the middle of something 
and they're like, huh, there's no easy answer. Well, we'll just declare Prime Directive and leave. Like, it's just, it's such a <laughs> funny episode where Picard is basically like, well, we can't really solve this problem. And these people are, are dumb because they're drug addicts. And these people are dumb because they're drug dealers. Peace out. And they just take off. And yeah, they, they make a point of saying it's been 17 years since they were last visited. And yeah, it's the one place was like, yeah, we have 15 years of chaos. Then they go to the other planet and it's pretty much abandoned. Although that was my big question was like, did the Breen kill all the Breckians? Yeah, that's a that's a real good question. They don't make it clear. It I thought it was going to go in like a Tasha Yar uh, backstory kind of route, but it was more of like a Terminator kind of yeah. or uh, alien invasion kind of route. It, it, honestly, I was getting aliens, the, the James Cameron, the aliens, where they like come down to the planet, they're like, where is everybody? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was good. But then there was a couple of interesting twists there. So this, the sub, sub, subplot to this one was that there's a reporter that goes on the mission with them to show what a good idea Project Swing By is. And of course, it goes south where this, you know, reporter ends up sort of basically doing an expose on how cr- the crazy adventures that the Cerritos gets into, which of course are all the episodes we've seen. And instantly everyone thinks that, that Mariner's the one that did it. And, and Captain Freeman gets so freaked out that she ends up booting her off the ship and sending her to the infamous Starbase Eddie 80, which is what they were threatening in previous episodes. And of course, that's the division that sort of splits them. She gets kicked off the ship. And then by the time Freeman figures out, oh, actually, it wasn't Mariner that was the one that threw them under the bus. It was everybody telling their crazy anecdotes that was actually the, the culprit in this. By the time they figure it out and go to get Mariner, she's quit Starfleet and has taken off. And when they say she's quit Starfleet, I, I looked over at the sofa to my son and I said, I will bet you anything that it's with that archaeologist we saw in episode five really wow <laughs> and, he, he, and of course they cut to the scene and she's with the archaeologist from episode five and i looked at him and he looked at me and he goes uh-huh uh-huh i know uh-huh <laughs> i've got verifiable on that one that i uh that i actually did call that one but yeah just the fact that you could tell in that episode episode five that mariner was like huh maybe there is another way to do this and yeah, I didn't know they were going to pay it off so soon. But as soon as they started setting this up, I was like, yeah, that's where that's going. Yeah, that was yeah, my sure. big question coming out of the episode of, you know, what will Mariner be like now that she is completely unshackled, mm-hmm. little as she was by Starfleet? Like she did all sorts of pushing the edge type stuff, knowing that there was an actual rigid command that could hypothetically uh, punish her in some way. Now she just becomes one of those. Uh, random annoying people as we saw from the the booth uh, story of mm-hmm. like you know they have no they just go off and 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 play you know alien games and and ingest themselves with the various you know oozes and crystals <laughs> and weird stuff like like there's no rules now she, what, what is she gonna do like this is like the um the the shaft uh, more modern version with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, where he mm-hmm. gets uh, like booted off the force or temporarily uh, no longer uh, a detective. I forget, you know, why? Because you, you know he's a loose cannon kind of thing. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He goes up to one of the the criminal guys. And he's like, "Man, what do I have to listen to?" It's like, "I'm not afraid of you." He's like, "You're not a cop anymore." He's like, "Do you think that makes me more dangerous?" Or less dangerous. It's like, pick one. It's like, now I don't even have to pay attention. <laughs> they did all that crazy stuff while I was on the force. You think I care more or less now 
about following the rules. So that's my, my big question. What is Mariner like when she doesn't have Starfleet uh, holding her down? Yep. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a season that started with her being like, well, we're going to have to steal a starship. So, yeah, you're right. It, it, could, it could get really funny. Do you think that they, they resolve this in the final episode next week, or do you think that this carries over into season four next year? Hmm. I, I, was, I was a little disappointed that, they, that, that there was, this wasn't the season finale, because I kind of looked at it and thought this would be a great sort of cliffhanger spot. Because, you know, to think at the end of, um, doesn't Boimler go off to, at the end of season one, goes off to join Riker? You know, yeah. and then they have to we have to, we have to resolve that to get him back with the gang, right? Yep. Um, I went and looked at the as soon as I as soon as the episode was over, and I jumped over to IMDb. I thought, well, if this was episode ten, that would have been a perfect place. I mean, they could have written. It didn't seem to have sort of a cliffhangery kind of ending, um, which they may do. They may do that in in uh, they may be just uh, some you know irreconcilable differences between Mariner and her mother now that this has happened. That you know they they may end up the season with with her deciding that she doesn't want to come back right and and uh, and the gang all haven't you know because we can't have the lower decks is the four of them right yeah um you know and and since it's an animated series it's not like you know it's not like Tasha Yar where Denise Crosby can leave the show kind of thing right um and they just replace her with Cass or something like that right? <laughs> you know but I mean or uh, Doctor what's a Doctor Pulaski, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like in the case of human actors, they they obviously have to resolve these things. You know, have to get a, a new guy to play Dumbledore or whatever, right? But um, in, in an animated series, you know, this the, these are like it's just like you know Scooby and and um, Velma and you know yeah, they just find sound alikes and keep it going. Yeah, well, you you know, but you 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 draw the same characters and you just keep them going, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean. These, these, those are the characters of the lower decks. You know, even even though they've tried to introduce other people, like the the Orion girlfriend and the the other dude that was the, the you know the the one that's always the other ensign that's always he's on a different group. Oh, Jet. He was, he was being Jet. Yeah, Jet. Yeah, he was being interviewed, and and the um uh, the Trill girl, mm-hmm. too, the Trill uh, lieutenant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they have introduced other characters, but they're not our people. They're not our four. And what are, what are we, the Delta shift or whatever they're called? They're not the Alpha Yeah, shift, I think they're right? Delta. Delta, yeah. So the Delta shift, right? It, it, you know, it has to be these four people to be legit, right? So if they if they want to, like, you know, go into season four with, with, you know, a conundrum for us as the audience, it's like, let Mariner not come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Or maybe Tendi goes and joins her or something like that. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows indeed? Maybe she'll get embroiled with the uh, Section 31 storyline from last week. I don't know. True, yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of good... Uh, so the pew-pew-pew was obviously the fight between the Breen and the uh, new automated starship, which I thought for sure was going to trigger some sort of conversation about being replaced by machines and no longer needing crew yeah, and yeah. all that stuff, uh, which is you know very topical. Did you guys have anything different for the pew-pew-pew? No, mine was the USS Alito, the Texas class fully automated ship. I figured you'd be right um, all over the Texas, Texas, the Texas yeah. class, Jaime. I was not familiar. I had to look up. I was like, I'm sure that must be a city just like, you know, you've got the California class has its own sort of theme. And it is a uh, smaller town just west of Fort Worth, Texas. So the DFW airport, Dallas, Fort Worth, it is uh, in that vague area if you're trying to put it on a map. 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to assume if we see those again, they're going to be other Texas towns, just like the the California classes all have, um, you know, California themed uh, towns and stuff. Yeah. I did. I found it interesting that the the Breen ships were. They almost looked like cardboard cutouts to me. Like they, it's almost like they took the Breen ship from. I I, have, I don't remember the Breen from TNG, but. Um, it's almost like they took their, their ship and just cut it out and just had three of them. Cause they didn't, I don't really recall them turning very much, you know? Um, they looked very much like, like cardboard cutout during the battle scenes, right? I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah. But it just looked odd to me. Well, it's interesting too, cause they, they're using that sort of mix of animation styles too, where you get, you know, sort of traditional cartoony kind of look when you're inside the ship and a little more sort of 3D kind of polished a little bit more on, on the outside stuff. So, it, yeah, it's it's a tricky balancing act, I think. Yeah, and did is this the first time we've seen, um, other than, like, you know, crashing a ship into the planet, I can't imagine that ever happening, but, um, like, the first, is this the first time we've seen where, where a, a weapon of some type takes out four, like, the complete deck? Like, because remember they got hit by the thing, and the um, ensign at the, at the con said, you know, damage to all decks right yeah no uh, there was the another battle i'm trying to remember which one one of them where one of the torpedoes goes right through the the saucer section one of the star trek movies i'm trying to remember which one yeah i don't know if it's star trek 6 during the battle at the end with uh chang or if it's the one where it's Riker and troy in insurrection i feel like one of them gets like a puncture right through the or maybe both We'll have to we'll have to fact check that one for next week. Because have we had like many people lost on the lower deck episodes so far? Uh, I mean, Shax Shax died and came back. Yeah, how did that work? Well, they they specifically didn't tell us, right? Right. Okay. It was yeah, yeah. An incredibly harrowing mission. But he doesn't want to talk about it. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the guy from um, Carlson from um, Marvel Universe, right? Oh, Colson, 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 Colson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would sort of be my pupil was like that sort of battle between the Breen and and uh, these guys. Yeah, uh, you know, it was interesting. I thought I thought the um, the robot ship was going to be like you know the drone ship or whatever was going to be like you know some super duper that came out of left field really you know yeah but uh, yeah um, for the cool. Easter eggs the at one point they talk about going and visiting strange alien planets and they're down on the planet where the uh with the um the uh, onarians and they're like check out their system of government see if it's run by kids or someone pretending to be the devil so right again yeah perfect thank you thank you very much for that one well they also mentioned at some point that uh, let's go back to the other planet maybe they're maybe they've been uh they've fallen prey to landrew again right yeah yeah that was another, another Easter egg. <laughs> Yeah, I, again, those 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 little Easter eggs for for the you know longtime Trek fans for the people who have seen it all and been there for it all they're just they're great they really are um, yeah and sure. yeah I mean the quote I, I feel like one of you or I or maybe both of us should have got a writing credit on this one <laughs> the quote from Mariner where she's talking about how uptight Freeman is when she finds out this reporter is going to be on board and she says hey Carol gonna Carol right. <laughs> I feel like that's something you and I have said <laughs> probably a few times in our lives, Tim. Maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Carol gonna Carol, right? Yeah. I might have that tattooed somewhere on me. And the Rutherford quote who put that one down. 
Yeah, I put that one down too. They, the, that's the part we didn't talk about was the pie eating contest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're they're talking about going and having this pie eating contest, and they're really disappointed that it's it's you know uh, going to get canceled. And when Rutherford finds out, he says, "But I've been expanding my GI tract so I can eat more pie." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dislocating yeah, your and, jaw and stuff. I think that was attendees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like everybody had prepared. Everybody <laughs> prepared for this event. It was a big deal for the the lower duckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now another another funny episode. And again, nice one. You know, we've gotten some DS9 this year. We've got this. We've got some Voyagers. Okay. Yeah, it's nice that they're sort of mixing it up. Very little Enterprise, but that's okay. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. I'm sure. Been a long my, road. <laughs> my quote came out of um so this sort of background of this episode is about Captain Freeman's ambition, right? We know that that's her character flaw, that she doesn't want to be just the captain of a lowly California class. She's, she's got ambitions to do more things, and that's why they did this whole, like, it was her idea to institute the um, the second contact, like, this, or let's come back again uh, sort of thing that we don't just nope out of there and, and never go back to see what happened after first contact. And when they're, like, on the, which planet is it? The good planet? Is it Onara planet? You're like, oh, you don't need us. We have we have medical supplies, engineering know-how, unlimited snacks. <laughs> like, really? Like that's <laughs> that was in your desperation. Unlimited snacks is what you came up with there as to why they might need your uh, your presence to to make it worth doing this whole trip and therefore validating your uh, your your you know good ideas or uh, promotion kind of thing. Shall we move on to Andor? Cool. Yep, so we're back into the, the I guess, the fourth? I mean, 12, right? So this is the the third triad of stories, right? Yes, mm-hmm. this is the sort of start of the third arc, as they've been saying. They've been doing these little sort of three-episode series within a series. Yeah. Well, my elevator pitch is pretty simple. You can't go home. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. How about you guys? Uh, mine was, uh, in the wake of the heist on Aldani, all our key players are on edge, and many of them are looking for Cassian Andor. I didn't have a good one. I'm looking at mine, and it's just a ramble of the various plot lines of uh, Mon Mothma makes political moves, the Empire spooks are getting info on robberies, Rebellion considers killing Cass, Cass tries to get Mama Cass off-world, and Karn gets a job at a cubicle farm, which is a little bit too literal of like, yes, those are the basic plot lines, but not really. I didn't do a good job in elevator pitch on this one. Yeah, but the cubicle farm was interesting too, because I mean, the guy did sort of sell him on, on taking the job in terms of being able to, to basically get back into the fight in a sense, but do it with data science. Right. Um, and I think, I think it, it ends with him sort of like raising his eyebrow, right. Over what were the stories coming in? Right. Yep. Cause he's connecting the dot. Cause he's checking out fuel, fuel quality. Is that what it was? I can't remember what department it was in. Yeah. Yeah, I think they mentioned the fuel purity. Uh, definitely, uh, I, I don't know whose pew pew this is. I had I had written down a fight without a shot, and somebody else wrote down Dedra versus Blevin. That was my same same thing. Yeah, that was my pew pew. That was yeah, like the pew-pew. best w- fight I've ever seen without raised voices. Uh, it was so vicious and yet so civil. It was so well acted. Yeah, I love the the part where the the. Like the boss guy, I can't remember his name, but he says, "Walk with me for a minute, Deirdre." Right after she, after he announces that she's won, and she, he just says to her, "Watch your back." Yeah, that's you know, that's part, part of the, the name of the, the, the major who runs that group. 
well played and watch that, your back are pretty interesting bits yeah, of well played, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, praise and warning for her yeah 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 she's definitely made some enemies with that move but but interesting like she's she's definitely getting it in a way that the rest of them aren't that this is not not as random as it seems well then he praises her for for you know being creative in her thinking the rest of them are like he's he's starts off the scene chastising these other guys for being incompetent right mm-hmm. and um and you know and they're so incompetent they say what would you suggest like you know you know kind of rather than rather than you know admitting they don't know what the hell they're doing asking for help or his help right so mm-hmm. and she's the only one and then of course Blevin starts starts in on the well she broke the rules and she she you know dug into all of our data and she figured all this stuff out and you know she she went she went big instead of looking you know for small things right i mean she went she put she spread a wide net to get um the evidence that she needed right and she in fact found that you know there was connections right mm-hmm. as she suspected right in the very first or second episode that we saw her right yep. it's interesting too cuz we've we've had the last three episodes really building around the heist and really kind of focused on this this rebel group and really focused on even the sort of you know the mon mothma and the luthen of it all the the sort of this is sort of the big first thing that they're going to do to really step the game up. Uh, although we know that there's been other rebel activity they mentioned in this in the series, but I didn't even really think about it from the Luthen perspective. And I, I really like that scene in the episode between Luthen and Mon Mothma, where she goes back mm-hmm. to his store and he's gesturing and smiling for the for the chauffeur who's clearly a spy for ISB and. Yet they're having, again, another civil yet uncivil conversation where she's like, you know, look, look what you've done. You've, you've, you know, you've put us right there on center stage. You've, you've taken this big swing. And he's like, yeah, but it paid off. This is what we needed to do. And she's like, yeah, but the rebels, gonna, the empire is going to come down hard on us. And he goes, yeah, we need that too. We need them yeah, we need to them. overreact and start revoking laws and start, you know, enacting new laws and revoking and rights. people off. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. that's what's going to inspire people to our cause. And it's really interesting the way that they sort of have spun this sort of this, this, how, how to foment a rebellion kind of, you know, from all the angles, from the political angle, from the, you know, sociological angle, from the monetary angle. It's, it's really well written. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the other, the other, um, I guess the other pew pew I liked was um, when Mon Mothma was talking to her friend from the her home planet or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, um, you you wouldn't like I I can't tell you about my politics if you wouldn't it would be too uncomfortable for your taste. And then she very carefully and very delicately says, you know, lays out the fact that she's actually working on something. Tells him that it would probably be too difficult for your taste. In fact, right? mm-hmm. 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 It's really interesting to me that we are now probably eight or ten minutes into this conversation about Andor, and we haven't talked about Cassian Andor. Like this show's good; it's really good, but it's not even just about Cass, right? Like he's great, Diego Luna's great, and there, you know, we'll talk about some of his scenes too. But there's a lot going on. It's really great performances beyond just. It's it's not just a showpiece for Diego Luna. It's not just an ego trip. Some actors would be like, "Well, I have to be on screen for." you know, 80% of the show, I'm the star. This show's not doing that. It's really kind of painting a bigger picture and Cass fits into it and he's the glue that binds it together. But yeah, it's it's really interesting that he's he's not on screen a lot in this episode. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We see a lot of 
the the daily lives of other people. That's where last time I'd say, well, I'm kind of weirdly rooting for the imperial security folks, uh, even though I know they're you know the empire is bad, but some of these folks are kind of just largely doing their job. We did see examples of others, and there's some examples today of stuff that's like, well, it's more than just doing your job. You're being a real bad person about this power you have. Mm-hmm. But we also saw stuff like uh, the administrator or clerk, whatever the 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 justice sort of thing that was going on, right? So they they made all of the the rebellion type laws like extraordinarily harsh. Yeah. So instead of you know six months or something, you get six years that Cassian yeah. gets on uh, on planet Miami for, right. <laughs> for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. 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 That 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 trooper was just like, hey, like you you look like you were you involved. Look scruffy. Like, it was like because I'm brown or what yeah. where are you going with this <laughs> and it's like yeah. well you, you're sweating is like bro it's hot here <laughs> like yeah. what do you mean i'm sweating i'm just trying to go to the store it's right there let me go yeah the uh, yeah and then he finds out that his his de facto mother um also is a rebel a rebel right because like mm-hmm. he's when he goes home to visit her he's like come on let's go i've got some money let's just get out of here and and she's like you know i'm kind of too old for this but i've got a fight here that i want to see through right mm-hmm. Um, really interesting. She, you know, she decides not to, or she tells him she's not going to go with him, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That he needs to go and that she can't go, right? Yep. She's, she's staying until they yeah. need to part. That is how he ended up on planet, planet Miami, as I call it. And this is my, my Easter egg. Uh, the subtitles say that those were shore troopers. Yep. Just like you have the snow troopers and other ones, shore troopers. That one's new to me. They, they actually have only appeared in one other place and it's a, not a coincidence they appeared in rogue one on scarif all right because oh did they okay yeah. see I, I missed that that they had uh you know uh, beach colored uh yeah. which would make sense for scarif beach colored uh armor to, yeah to and in. i think that's the idea is you know because we've seen a snow trooper we've seen the scout troopers in the forest i guess it stands to make sense that there would be ones who are adapted for hot weather or for beach beach weather but yeah the only other place that we've seen uh the short trooper so far is on scarif and honestly the only reason i remember them is because they actually made a star wars black series figure of the short trooper that's the only reason that that name immediately clicked for me was that that they had done that for for rogue one hmm. ah, i see i see hmm. good, the, good the good. easter eggs that i had pulled out uh so at one point they mention in the isb security meeting they're talking about uh ord mantel which couple of different references one for the really old school fans like like yours truly um there was a little side adventure that you could get on uh record or cassette yes record or cassette uh back in the 80s that was the rebel mission to ord mantel and that was a little side adventure where han solo and princess leia go on this little mission to try and uh steal some dough to help finance the rebels on hoth it's not canon but for me I listened to that tape till it wore out, so it resonates for me. It's always been a, a that name has always been clicked for me. Uh, they also uh, for for you guys having just watched the Bad Batch, uh, Ord Mantel is where they go on the mission to retrieve Moochie, the little right. baby Rancor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's there a, we go. That's another one. And the other one that I didn't notice, but I I had seen somebody mention in the um, in an online article. I'm going to take credit where credit is due here. Oh. Dork Side of the Force. It's an article on Dork Side of the Force mentioned that the uh, colonel who comes into the room uh, 
you know, when they're all sitting around, party guys is there, and the colonel comes in and sort of says a few words at the at the beginning. That's meant to be uh, the former admiral, now Colonel Ularin. Ularin has been in a ton of properties over the years related to uh, Star Wars. So in live action, uh, we've seen him here, and we also saw him. He'd been retroactively added into a scene in the Death Star when there are all the uh, admirals are sitting around the table and Tarkin is holding court in A New Hope. He's one of the people there. They retroactively said, yes, Yalaren would have been one of those admirals, and he died with, with the Death Star. But for Clone Wars and Rebels fans, in Clone Wars, he was the commander of the, the um, Republic Star Destroyer, whatever they were calling it, Republic Starship that Anakin used to fly around on. He was, the, he was the, the leader of that ship. And we see him later in Rebels, he comes back and he is working with ISB. He's working with the security group. So that connects with this. So we, we knew that he was sort of at this place at this time, but this is the first time we sort of see him walk out and, and give a little speech in, in live action. So a nice little, nice little reference. And thanks to the dork side of the force for, uh, for finding that one out. My big question was... Uh, so, you know, we, we get our first uh, look at one of those KX droids, those big, giant, hulking black droids like we saw in, in uh, Rogue One. The question is, is that one that grabbed, misunderstood the orders and grabbed Cass and held him up by his throat, hang on to him? Uh, was that K2SO or was that just one of those random droids at this point? Well, it wasn't. It was a random droid because it wasn't it didn't have. Uh, Tudyk's voice, right? No, but he hadn't programmed, like, I, I don't know if he reprogrammed uh, it to sound like that, too, right? So it could be right. that body, but he's just, you know, reprogrammed the stuff inside him, too. But yeah, it's it's such a weird thing, because obviously they all look this, it's like saying that trooper was clearly the trooper from, you know, like, and you can't tell. They all look the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they were definitely going for that vibe, though, of like, you know, you're you're setting up the fact that he's going to end up with one of those one day. Yeah. Uh, best quote? Yeah. They said, what? I, I love the line from Luthen when, when he's talking with Mon Mothma and he says, the Empire's been choking us so slowly we've begun not to notice. It's such, and again, he's, he's a fine actor. It's, it's just it's such an ominous line, especially when you think about like force choking. It's just, it's such a beautifully crafted sentence. Yeah, mine came out of that same sequence with Mon Mothma and Luthen saying, you know, people will suffer. That's the plan. Right? Yeah. Which yeah, you had mentioned already for the, the, the way you foment a, a rebellion. Yeah, and then following that up was that, that conversation she's having with um, Takeholma, who's the banker uh, from her home planet of Chandrilla. And she says, the Mon, Math the Mon Mothma people think they know, it's a lie. It just, again, just this, the, again, she's a terrific actor too. And the, the delivery on that one, it's kind of sends a chill up your spine. You're like, yeah, she's really cutting to the heart of this. Yeah, and also like the two of them repeating the same line. I don't think this would be it would be you know, not to your taste or something like that. I to, yeah, I don't think my politics would be to your taste. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. This, I, you know, we we really are in a a lucky stretch of great television. This show is fantastic. It it's quickly becoming one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars. It's pretty good, and and you know, I kind of wonder, given that they're showing us other slice of life pieces um and i know they'll all eventually sort of tie in but you know you could imagine things that would have been unimaginable before like hey um what are the economic impacts of the destruction of the death star i bet you somebody had like their whole family business wiped out because they were like you know uh 
supplying maintenance to uh, to the Death Star, and now they're like you're talking about. You sound like Randall now. <laughs> now I sound like a like a madman of like you know uh, what were the what were the negative impacts on this family who uh, you know they had this family business. It was in their business for for generations to to help out. Uh, they they went through the Republic. They went through the Empire, and that's like ultimately why uh, some of them end up fighting for the cause of the First Order. Just to tie it into that, right? They they got radicalized because they said, "By golly, uh, our family was doing well, and then these stupid rebellion now New Republic, like uh, they had all these great platitudes." But guess what? Me and my family are starving here on planet backwater. Yeah, there's a, there's your pitch for a series. Now, we could root for it closer to the bad guys, but not really. These were just you know, civilians uh, cleaning the toilets on the Death Star. The part that we didn't mention, or we only mentioned, I guess, a tiny bit, is Cyril. The the uh, aforementioned officer who lost his job because Cass was good at his job. <laughs> that scene at the very beginning of the episode with his mom was the height of comedy for the series. She is so funny. Where she's like, is that what you're going to wear? Like, just, uh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. She's just got this great... Yeah, what does my caller say about me? Yeah, yeah. She's got this great voice, and she's so tiny, and yet you could just see him, like, seething and cracking, and just, oh, she's so much fun. <laughs> you know, he's just sitting there like, I'm trying to eat my d- delicious little pebble cereal in in some nice blue milk. Could you please not rip me a rip me a new one first thing in the morning? I'm about to go for a job interview. Yeah, those sick mom burns are, are difficult. <laughs> Challenging oh. to deal with because they know where to where to push the buttons. Oh, she's so good. So good. It's so interesting the 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 scenery, like from when Deirdre's walking through at the, you know, the place where she's at, and it's all sort of new and plastic mm-hmm. and, and very new hopish, right? Yep. Whereas, you know, when the, I, I don't know, the girl in the red who was walking to meet um, the the rebel leader. Val, yeah. Um, Val. And she's walking through all those shopping malls. And I'm thinking, like, those are actual real places. And I'm kind of wondering, like, it's kind of, I wonder how they scouted those sites and where those actual scenes are taken from. And and then when they put, when she's walking through a matte painting and when she's walking through an actual physical place, like, a you know. Uh, I thought it was really a really interesting sort of juxtaposition in terms of like how they're shooting shooting these things, and then of course you know the the planet that Cassian is on visiting his his um, mother character, um, you know that's all sets right, sound stages right, kind of interesting the way they mix it all, and but it all seems to cohesively fit to the to the story that's being told right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that during that one scene where we we get that mysterious character where they never really mention her by name, but she basically says she meets with Vel and says, "You've got a loose end. You're you're going to need to go and and kill Cass, right?" Which you know, probably is worth worth a mention. But you're right that that scene one it was really well interesting shot right with the, the the mirror on the ceiling where we see her walking and then it pivots upwards and we see her reflection walking the other way and yeah, there's some really cool stuff there. And you're right that the design of this series has been Quite exceptional. Yeah, I'm just looking for the uh, the quote from Clark about that uh, Randall has about the Death Star for Jaime. Have you seen you've seen Clark's, haven't you, Jaime? Yeah, is it the the one related to um, like radicalized farm boy does terrorist attack on on the Death Star? Is that the 
Does that come from no, that? No, it's it's basic. It's basically like you know he's defending he his, Randall's theory is that that the the first Death Star was was justified and they were justified in destroying it, but the second one, um. Oh, it's because it's a rush rush job, right? They were trying to get a rush job, so they had to hire outside contractors. Yeah, so here, here, here's the actual thing. Mm-hmm. So in a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot of more man, manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I bet there were independent contractors working on the thing, plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers, not just Imperials, is that what you're getting at? He says, exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody who could do the job. And do you think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> all they know is killing and, and white uniforms. And then uh, he basically says, uh, you know, you know, all right, you look like a roofer. You had some juicy government job. Anyway, the, the point is that the second Death Star was still under construction. So a whole bunch of innocent, you know, contractors got blown up with the Death Star, right? Is his point. Yep. Yeah, it's it's not too far off. I, I didn't go with the precise killing, but more like... Um, you know, you wanted to show up for work, but it got terrorist exploded, right? And now yeah, your exactly, your yeah. your whole economy for your your family and your your town because you were like the supplier for whatever that was. Now you're impacted, but not in a we got to get you know we got to get revenge because they killed my boy kind of thing, but more of a yeah, I'm I'm in a bad economic state. I am I am eating dirt because of this uh, fanatical thing that happened. This this political battle. Well, and how do you? I think you just nailed the exact look that's on uh, Cyril's face when he's sitting there with his mom. He's like, "If it wasn't for these punks, I'd still have my weird orange and blue uniform, and I wouldn't have to be sitting here listening mm-hmm. to my mom rip me a new one." Like, that, speaking <laughs> of radicalization, that's how you create an evil nemesis, too. Yeah, he. I mean, he's totally like his whole life is wrapped up in in this this job, and and he was in his own mind, he was doing the right thing. He was, you know acting responsibly and 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 you know he's gonna get he's gonna get um somehow he's gonna get back involved with with this fight because you know he was right and he's gonna stick to that theory right so we have to wait and see what's gonna happen when he's sort of the wild card here right yeah yeah he's he's obviously gonna end up back in in the main the main swing of things eventually but how is the interesting part and it may or may not may or may not involve killing his mother yeah yeah so let's move on to the Green Council, House of Dragon, Season 1, Episode 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pitch. As word of King Viserys' death spreads, lines are drawn while the Hightowers plot to take the throne. So I have a question. I didn't go back and watch the um, the previous episode, but at the very end, she does go visit him in his bed, King Viserys in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. Does he actually say that he would like... Or he, or is he just like in in you know in the milk of the poppy dreaming? No. So what happens is is the night before, Rhaenyra comes to him and she's struggling with what to do because she's realizing like the Greens are massing power. She's in a hard spot. She thinks she's gonna. She thinks that her dad is basically on his deathbed and she's gonna go face Otto Hightower sitting on the throne and he's gonna be like, "Your son is a bastard and you you don't have any claim to Driftmark." And so she's basically preparing for losing, but she knows the prophecy. She knows that uh, there has to be a Targaryen on the throne and that, you know, he wants her to be it to help prepare for the inevitable long night that's coming, the, the you know, north of the wall. So she goes to him in the, in the previous episode and says, hey, uh, you know, I know you're, you're stoned out on poppy juice here, 
But I have to ask you, do you believe it's true? Do you believe that the prophecy is true? And he doesn't answer her there. But what she's, when she says, basically, I need your help, that gets through then. So he goes downstairs and he helps her. And then he goes up to his bed and he's dying that next night. And when uh, Allison comes in and sits on the other side of the bed and starts talking to him, he thinks that it's Rhaenyra again because he's old and delusional and about to die. And he says, what you asked me before about the prophecy, the prince that was promised, you know, Aegon, Aegon. And she says, he says Aegon because he's talking about Aegon's prophecy. He, he says the prince that was promised, Aegon, Aegon. And so it's a misinterpretation. Alicent mm -hmm. hears that and thinks, oh, Aegon is, the, Aegon is the prince. He should sit the throne. So it's, they're, they're twisting it to be that she thinks she's on the side of right because he said the word Aegon. What he was talking about was the original King Aegon who made the prophecy about the Long Night. Right, yeah. Yeah, they had sprinkled in that he was starting to lose it a bit because there was, um, you know, where the, the, the big battle between uh, Rhaenyra and Alicent, he was, like, not having it. Uh, he accidentally ended up calling Alicent Emma, his mm -hmm. previous wife, his deceased wife's name, so... Like he was already struggling as the, uh, you know, more than age, but like a, a rapid deterioration aging from the disease that he had was already starting to addle him. So it's not surprising that towards the end there, Milk of the Poppy uh, missing like half his face, that he's kind of not even fully aware that he's not talking to Rhaenyra and he's talking to Alicent. And because everybody's named like the same five names. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, throughout history, it's a little confusing. She doesn't ask him like, Aegon, our, our son? He would have been like, son? No, no, the conqueror. What are, you, what are you talking about? We don't have a son. You're my daughter. You know, it would have been a little bit more clear, even in his adult uh, way. And even more complicated than that, Jaime, is the fact that in that, on that previous day, when Damon and Rhaenyra show up, they show up with two of their sons, one of whom is named Aegon. So <laughs> there's literally two Prince Aegons <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so what a mess. What a mess. Yeah, I mean, it's literally, yeah, it's going yeah. to gonna get bad. Like, they've said the next two to, two to three seasons are all going to be about the war, the civil war, between the, these two sides. And it's going to get bad. A lot of the people we've already met are going to die. A lot more characters are going to get introduced, and they're going to die. And it's all going to be basically down to not just the power play, although we do see that that amazing scene in the Green Council, which we'll talk about. But it really comes down to a misunderstanding, like all this bloodshed is, and it's going to start to get really personal. And, and, and yeah, all these people are going to die. And it's all basically because Allison thinks she's on the side of right and Rhaenyra thinks she's on the side of right. And Rhaenyra is doing what she thinks she needs to do because her dad told her to. And Allison thinks she's doing what she needs to do because her husband told her to. Yeah, people do kind of point out. You know, obviously, uh, uh, a whole bunch of folks in this episode were like, oh, your your husband with his dying breath said this thing that yeah. counteracts, you know, happens to be in your favor and counteracts what he like heroically, you know, took his decaying body across the entire throne room to be like, why am I even here? Uh, I should be pooping myself in bed. <laughs> uh, for this thing that we resolved like 20 years ago. Like, I've been very clear, Rhaenyra is my heir. Why, why am I even here? Uh, yeah. Her own son is like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, mom, I'm sure he said that thing that's conveniently good for me and you. Um, it, it's, it's a tough one. It's a, it's a tough line for her to, 
to, to hold on to, even though I do understand why she why she believes it because of the, the confusion. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the Green Council because we don't, I want to get to the, the, the way their re- reactions of locking down the kingdom after that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it starts out pretty chill where, you know, the the little page boy finds the finds the king dead and he doesn't go to the queen and he doesn't go to the hand. He goes to Talia, right? The the woman who we know works for the the the, the, the white worm. Yeah, white worm. Yeah. And yeah. she immediately goes to the window and starts lighting candles, sending the signal across the kingdom that the king is dead. So that that sort of gets out there. That's what triggers the whole missing uh, Aegon plot that, that happens later on. But then, yeah, basically as news spreads, they convene this this meeting of the of the high council and you know all the players for team green are in the room and allison's like well here's what happened he told me on his deathbed that he wanted Aegon to be the king and otto doesn't miss a beat he's like cool we were gonna take the throne anyways so that's even yeah, we better were, so i don't have course. to fight you my yeah. daughter on this i already had a plan <laughs> It's really a like dark scene where, you know, she realizes that she and that comes back later on. She realizes what a pawn she is in this whole game, right? Like her dad's playing, you know, three dimensional chess, and you know, and she's playing checkers, right? Yeah, because like almost everybody in that council was in on it, and it was like, oh uh, yeah, we didn't want to, you know, have you sully your hands with this this dirty work, uh, my queen, except for like. That one guy who was like, this is great. Yeah, yeah, where he, uh, you know, he takes a little nap at the end of the scene there. <laughs> yeah, he basically <laughs> stands up and says, that. Yeah, he says, I'm 76 years old, and I knew Aegon, or I knew uh, Viserys longer than any of you, and I know this isn't what he wanted, and you guys have been conspiring, and I am disgusted, and Kristen Cole slams him down on the table so hard that he kills him, and they continue the meeting. <laughs> They're just like, well... We just killed a septuagenarian. We better keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Can uh, cracking a few eggs. You know, oh, that's there. It's awful. And of course, that leaves that leads to the great uh, the Harold Westerling, who's the the captain of the of the King's Guard at that point. Uh, basically, says like, you know, there is no king right now. Peace out. I'm out of here. Like he's 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 done with all this, right? And he's like, I'm I'm out. And the rest of them are like, you know, cool, cool, cool. We're just going to go take the throne now. But then that leads to the inevitable question, where in the world is Aegon Targaryen? Uh, which was really, honestly, that was what I was going to put down for my synopsis of, of the elevator pitch for this episode. Where in the world is Aegon Targaryen? Because the whole episode becomes this, you know, what, what are the, they need the king, they need the prince to put on the throne to become the king. Where the heck is this guy? And, uh, and so, you know, that, that sort of sprints onward. Meanwhile, they decide after that great council meeting, they, they decide, well, you know, we better start, you know, figuring out who's on our side beyond this this room. And they take uh, Princess Renice, who, of course, is the is the lady of, of um, Driftmark, and they lock her in her room and are like, guess what? Remember how you were here for, for you know, a family dinner and, a, and an appeal? You know, now you're a political prisoner. They lock up all the servants in the castle so they can't go tell their people what's going on. And they basically bring all of the high lords and ladies into the throne room and put, you know, Otto back on the on the throne again as the hand. And he says, you know, the king is dead. You are when you basically I know you already, uh, you know, said you would show fealty to Rhaenyra, but 
that's not going to happen. Bend the knee to my guy now or else. And almost everybody, with a, a few exceptions, bends the knee, even though they know they're now Oathbreakers and they know that this isn't right. They're basically like, well, I'm going to die if I don't do this. And yeah, it just turns into this huge, like, you know, political catastrophe. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's so insidious, right? Like, you just find yourself just being like, oh, this is so gross. Yeah, and if you don't agree with bending the knee, you're going to die. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why half of them do. And, and they take one example and they basically, you know, right in front of everybody else, right? They, they make an example of them to show that if you're, if you're going to stand there and say, I'm with Rhaenyras, they're, they're going to just off you right there in front of them, right? So at which point the one cowardly guy bends his knee, right? Well, it's, yeah, so then, a bunch of them sort of see that example of getting, you know, hauled away and they're like, okay, so... Yeah, it's Caswell, who we saw. He's the, he's the one who's on the stairs when Rhaenyra has got the newborn and she's running up the stairs to uh, show it to, you know, show the baby to the queen. Uh, he's the one who's coming down the stairs and sort of says, you know, hey, good to see you. And his, his name's Alan Caswell. And he's the one who reluctantly bends his knee. And then, you know, later in the episode, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, totally. I'm with you guys. I'm just going to step outside with my horse for a bit. And of course, they catch him and they hang him. So, you know, yet another ally. Although it's a strange thing. Like, if your plot was, we're going to take the throne, bend the knee. Okay, some of those people are clearly going to bend the knee and do what they're told. But then they're probably, if they're still allegiant to Rhaenyra, they might go back to their, you know, castles or, or areas or whatever and then say, yeah, no, I was lying. You were going to kill me. Forget you. Some people have the willpower to be like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. So they're either thrown in jail or killed. It's not clear. In the books, they're all beheaded. Here, they don't make it clear what their fates are. But I wonder if, like, wouldn't it have made sense to be like, cool, you're not with us. You're going down to the jail because we're going to tell your family that if they don't also show fealty to us, we're going to chop your head off. So, you know. Like, aren't they a better play to have as a hostage and not a corpse? It probably depends. You probably want a little bit of uh, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. It's, to your point, pretty common to have uh, wards of some sort, like Theon Greyjoy was yeah. uh, the like, you'll never attack uh, the Starks because we've got your your heir that will will kill. So he's our hostage. He's treated very nicely. He kind of forgets he's a hostage until Tyrion reminds him. Um, but I think you probably also still need a little bit like, will they really kill? Yeah, man, they killed that dude. <laughs> they yeah. killed that one guy. We're not taking no chances. This is not a joke. Yeah, but by the same token, though, if you kill the head of the household, then the the house becomes the next in lines. And, and and he, that person, if they're, you know, he's sitting at home, doesn't know what's going on, and he still believes that his family is, you know, um, in Rhaenyra's camp, right? So, yeah, kind of doesn't make sense, but then politics. Yeah, yeah, but there's also no telephone or anything, so you'd be like, "Hey, so uh, uh, we have him Raven, hostage, right? Raven. so you need to come to the castle and unhostage him." Oh, now you're a hostage, ha! Right? There's no like, let me hear their voice on the telephone to make sure that the the hostage is still alive, kind of thing. So you can you can deal with the oh, true, the yeah. confusion yeah. for a little bit longer than you could. That's yeah, partying at the cat the castle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, my my big question related to this whole lockdown thing is. Should dragon riders have like a horn or a bell or something to summon their dragons? Because 
Rainice could have used a like Kool-Aid man moment <laughs> to like get herself out of the, the tower, right? Yep. Although she does get her Kool-Aid man moment later on. So yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd have given anything for her to come out of there and go, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they they go from like imprisoning these people and, and killing them to the the mission becomes go find Aegon. He's somewhere in the city, go find Aegon. And it's kind of a little bit unclear as to why there is the competing two sides. Now, the idea, I guess, is that Otto wants to get him so that he can say to him, hey, you're going to be the king now. The first thing you're going to do is order the death of Rhaenyra and Damon and their family because they're a threat to you. Whereas yeah, Alicent yeah. is like, hey, I'm going to get him and I'm going to tell him that. But he's still in the castle. Like... If just because Otto is like not in the end, not the winner of this little let's go find Aegon game, couldn't he still be like he's still the hand? He's still going to be there. He still has yeah, a measure of yeah. power. Can't he be like, Psst, by the way, these people hate you. You should probably take care of it. Like it's so a little bit overdone for my taste. I thought it was a little bit weird that they were like competing so hard for something that like Otto's clearly good at making plans. He had this whole thing laid out. Why doesn't he just play the long game and be like, cool, cool, whatever you say, daughter. By the way, Aegon, you know, I'll I'll get you all the kid fighting and, uh, and you know, debauchery that you want, as long as you do all the stuff that I want you to do, including killing your aunt and your, and your uncle and your cousins and stuff, and your nephews. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing about it is, it, it, uh, and it has to do with, with monarchy and, and coronations and stuff like that, right? Because, I mean... It's like Queen Elizabeth who just died, right? I mean, when when the dude broke the stick over her over her um her coffin, right? Mm-hmm. That signified that he was done being her sort of her, her the keeper of her her like the the head of his, her house, right? And at that point in time, she becomes just a person. She's no longer the queen in the eyes of the god, right? Because that's the whole thing about the the British British monarchy is that the queen is you know God's representative on earth, kind of in the same sense the Pope is, yeah, right? By divine right, um, yes. By divine right, exactly. So so at at some point during that ceremony, like they they can't bury her as a queen; they have to bury her as a person, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and Charles, King Charles the Third, is not a king until he's there's not officially the king until he's coronated by the head of the church right mm-hmm. so in the same sense that they have to find this kid who's off doing whatever he's doing drinking or or forcing young kid young boys to fight that was a horrible scene by the way but um uh you know he's off and and you know, you know all those ne'er-do-wells down in the city could have held him hostage and you know for a bag of gold or whatever because he, at that point in time, he's still just a person, even though he's, you know, in theoretically in in line for the throne, right? So until until I mean, and I would assume that that's sort of the the lore that's driving this whole uh, king coronation. You know, whoever's gonna whoever's gonna sit on the I mean, sitting on the Iron Throne is the one thing, right? But somebody has to place a crown on your head, which they do in in the scene that we're going to talk about with the dragon, right? But you know, they go when they do find him. They actually put the crown on his head, and and that's when he becomes king, right? Yep. Sorry, I say, but it, you're you're right though, and that's that's kind of the White Worm's play. So you know, uh, she, you know, Misandra, the, the the White Worm, who's sort of the the master of you know secrets and whispers and whatever else, 
she gets that signal at the beginning of the episode saying like, hey, the king is dead. And she she basically grabs him up and hides him. And that's, you know, it, the game of hiding. Under a table or something, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's under the same place in the sept or the church that we see earlier in the season. That's where um, Rhaenyra and Alicent are praying, right? Where Alicent is right. trying to teach Rhaenyra how to pray to the, to the faith of the seven as opposed to her wicked, dragony ways. So, yeah, it's funny that it sort of comes full circle on that one. But, yeah, they, she basically, Missandra kidnaps him and basically uses him as a power play to say, Hey, by the way, there's these illegal children fights down here where they sharpen the children's nails and file their teeth to points. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dear sort, dear, dear hand of the king, uh, if I give you your guy back, how about you make that against the law? And he's like, well, think about it. And so that's kind of how how that sort of plays out. And that's why, in, you know, that's what sort of drives Aegon above ground. And, and then we get, of course, the the duel between. Um, oh, did, did you not love Eric and Arik? Uh, the the Caswell twins or whatever they called the um yeah not the Caswell twins they're the other ones they're the uh what are their names oh I have to look that up but yeah anyway the the twins Eric and Arik are basically looking for them on the one side and then uh you know we've got um Aemon the one eyed one eyed prince and uh and Kristen Cole looking for on the other side I mean the sword fight and then the one the one guy who was with with Aegon his whole life. He was a sworn sword. Eric, uh, the one twin, is like... Car- Cargill. Cargill. See, I knew it was close. Um, I I love that he's just like, this dude is not worth fighting over. He's a POS, and, you know, there's just no way. There's no way that this guy should be the king, and I'm not fighting for, you know, to keep him, to get him back, to get a crown on his head. But he kind of pieces out. His brother ends up losing the fight. And, uh, yeah, they're kind of on opposite sides of the fence on this thing now. And he ends up basically being the one who, once they, you know, they grab up Aegon, uh, it ends up being Kristen Cole who gets him and takes him back. And so, therefore, he's theoretically under the sway of Alicent. But really, it's about the disenchantment that Eric feels in this, this horrible person. Like, we already knew that Aegon is a rapist. We established in this episode mm-hmm. that he's got bastard children uh, down in, in Flea Bottom and that he likes to watch children beat each other to death so we know he's he's a real piece of work and eric seeing all this is just like this guy's gonna be king no effing way he goes back to the castle and he grabs um princess he grabs renice and says let's get out of here and so they end up walking through the city and they end up you know uh she ends up getting swept up and separated from him and she ends up in the dragon pit and that's how she ends up uh during the coronation scene she disappears downstairs in the dragon pit and, you know, and then she makes her hasty entrance where, uh, you know, riding her dragon, Melise, she busts through the floor like the Kool-Aid man and uh, kills. What, what, what's your estimate, guys? How many people do you think died when that dragon went through the floor? A few. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm there a, were, I'm there were people wondering about this on, on the Internet and 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 we'll we'll come back to the flea bottom discussion because that's how I understood what happens but hey it's easily at least 50 right uh dead and oh, then i would maybe like a couple hundred hundred more injured at least right it's oh, a little yeah. unclear exactly what's what's dead versus what's uh horribly mangled <laughs> i mean between the people who died just when the floor goes up and then the people who fell through where the floor was and then the people who got stepped on or whacked with a tail or whatever else like i think it's in the dozens yeah for sure 
But yeah, what, yeah. what an amazing scene, though. The you know you get this moment where they drive all the common people into the dragon pits. There's thousands of people there, and they yeah they 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 do the coronation. They're like, guess what? King's dead. Here's the new guy. They put the the crown on his head. And Aegon the Reluctant, you know, who wasn't really keen on being king, you know, he basically says, I'm, I'm not fit for it. He tells his brother, I'm not fit for it. And his brother goes, you don't have to tell me. I know, <laughs> which I thought was really hilarious. And yeah. then they have the coronation and, you know, he's got this, you know, ancestral sword. He's got the crown on his head. He's like, yeah, OK, maybe I can get behind this. And then the dragon bursts through the floor. And you end up with this sort of showdown of like, well, you know, what's going to happen here? And obviously it would have been poor for storytelling purposes if, if she just said Jokaris and barbecued the lot of them. But that was my big question for this episode is why doesn't she just say Jokaris and, and torch the whole lot of them? Well, I mean, you've got that. It, my, my favorite scene, my favorite pew pew was when the dragon, you know, like roars at them yeah right and you're right doesn't doesn't build up the ball of flame in this thing but how come they weren't all covered with spittle after that <laughs> they should have been shouldn't they? <laughs> like they should have been they should have looked like you know from the ghostbusters they should have been covered in slime you know yep yep all squinting and you know wiping it from their eyes and stuff but yeah i think that was mm -hmm. that was pretty much her saying i yeah i mean you know you're right though if she if she had just torched them then the show's over and we all go home right yeah so. yeah and mm -hmm. I did see some stuff uh, online about this. So that scene was not in the book. That scene was a, a show invention right. just to add some pew pew to an episode that is, otherwise is really just politics, right? Um, so I guess the point of doing it that way is that she is supposed to say in that moment, because she has that great... I, I think the Green Council scene is amazing. The one scene we kind of skipped over is the scene where Allison goes to see Rhaenyra uh, in the... Uh, oh, sorry, Renice inside the Red Keep. And she basically says, you know, hey, here's the deal. You know, we'll put you in charge of your own area down there. You can be the lady down there. Like, we'll we'll sell you. Here's all the things you, we can do for you. And the response back from, from um, Renice was my quote, which was, she says, you know, you desire not to be free, but to make a window in your prison. She basically says, mm -hmm. like, you are thinking small person here. Like you really aren't seeing the big picture right now. You hold all the cards and yet you are just trying to carve out a view as opposed to, you know, sitting the throne. Right. And it comes back in the end. I think the interpretation that I've seen that most people have adopted on, on some of the blogs I've been looking at and stories I've been looking at this week, the consensus is, well, in that moment, she's, She's thinking about barbecuing a lot of them, and she sees Allison step in front of her kids and says in that moment, well, I'm a mom, you're a mom, my kids are dead, I don't want to be, uh, uh, you know, somebody who kills a mom defending her kids too. Right. That's how I interpreted why they set it up the way they did with Renee's understanding, like, oh, you're not even really doing this to grab power because you'd be doing that for yourself. At, at worst, you're grabbing power for your child. Mm -hmm. Um and and that's why I feel like she doesn't kill her there. And there were definitely people who were like, wait, but what about all those people who got killed? It's like, well, let me tell you, to the nobles, those are not people. No. <laughs> right? As yeah. evidenced by the yeah. fact that, uh, you know, they have this, you know, child fighting ring uh, <laughs> that is just like, a, yeah, uh, okay, we'll, we'll add it to the list. We'll, we'll get to that. And it's not like a, what? That's terrible. Of course we're getting rid of that. Uh, there was no, like view of them as anything other than 
and then pawns. So that's, I think, a, a reflection of the, the nobility versus the peasantry. Yep. That, uh, you know, it, it feels awful to, to, to modern folks, but probably isn't that different from like the ultra rich. Like, do you, you think a, uh, like an Elon Musk is going to shed a tear <laughs> for like 50 people versus, uh, like, you know, the one person he kind of likes? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, the other part that we did too soon to call them pit kids. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, the other part we didn't, uh, there's two scenes we haven't talked about that one of them we're, we're going to have to get into. We'll save that one for last. But uh, the other thing that we, we sort of didn't really circle back on is um, the prophecy, right? So uh, Aegon's sister wife is, has been making these sort of, prognostications these these dreams come true statements throughout the whole season right and she makes the statement uh in the previous episode and then again here she says beware the beneath beware the beast beneath the boards and you're so whenever she says something now immediately my radar goes off i'm like what are they foreshadowing what's what's going to be the thing and of course the beast beneath the boards in this one is melise popping out and and killing people and and putting the whole family in danger, including her. Um, so that part was really mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so again, it really makes you want to sort of perk up. Every time that, that young woman says something, you're like, okay, all right, let's, let's keep our eyes peeled for the clues to what this might actually be connected to. But the scene of the show, I, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> so we talked about the Green Council. Amazing scene. We talked about the scene between Alicent and, and Renice. Amazing scene. Those two actresses were killing it in that scene. We have not talked about Lara Strong. <laughs> and the foot scene. Oh, the foot oh scene? The foot fetish? Oh. He was uh he was definitely into that and it was it was unique. You know, you you've seen so much of of pushing the boundaries uh, for television that uh Game of Thrones has had just from the very get go. And they, you know, include here with you know, like best uncle ever quips and stuff that we can make. But I would not have predicted this particular scene that is uh you know off into the wilderness when it comes to to this sort of thing it it's so funny so you know of course the scene is that laris is is sort of this competing master of whispers he's the one who you know has gone so far as to kill his own brother and father in order to please the queen he is sort of connected deeply to all these different things and knows all these things that's helping her establish her position and solidify her position but we never really get the quid pro quo like what is it that he wants back from her until this episode where when he's tr he's talking to her and she's trying to he's trying to sort of give her information and you sort of see the game going back and forth at first she takes off her shoes and you're like well that's unusual because a queen generally wouldn't do that in front of a subject no even if they were close friends and then you see her slide off her her stockings or her socks and you're like okay and then you see her turn sideways and start wiggling her toes. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. And then you see Laris's hand disappear and you're like, oh, OK, so this has gone here then. OK, cool, cool, cool. Um, no kink shaming if you're in defeat. Cool, cool, whatever. But this is not about uh, foot fetishizing. This is about power, right? She's using her power as a as a, you know, a woman and a sexual person to take advantage of his information. He's extorting her basically to give her the information in exchange for getting to do kind of debauched things to someone who's willing but not happy about what she's doing so it's an interesting 
power dynamic in that scene because you think she's the queen she has the power but she kind of doesn't and it, it it does speak to the sort of the exploitation of women across the series right that no matter how powerful a woman is she's still to some men she's still a sex object she's still lesser you know to be to be taken to be had not to be given right and it's also a beautiful juxtaposition because she's squirming while she's doing it. she's clearly she's not looking she's trying to she's very uncomfortable with it in the same way that we saw her uh you know when she was being um in bed with her husband Viserys when he's trying to impregnate her she is not having a good time she's not a happy per- and willing participant she's doing it because it's her duty not because it's her pleasure and the contradiction or the contract the the juxtaposition of that with Rhaenyra who is a sexual person and takes pleasure in sex and is very empowered by her sexuality, both when she, you know, is messing around with her uncle and then messing around with her, her sworn sword and Kristen Cole. And then, you know, in later episodes, she's sleeping with uh, Harwin Strong, who we, we know that they were in love with each other and they had a great sex life. And then she's already pumped out like multiple kids with Damon over the last six years. So clearly there's a good sex life there too. So I thought that scene was really, really rich and, and there was a lot to pull from it in, in spite of the fact that it was also really kind of off-putting and gross. Depends hmm. on your perspective, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been one of the questions that I've had circling in my head the whole season was, what does Laris want? Like, is he... Because Littlefinger, he's sort of the equivalent to Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, right? Littlefinger's always working angles and trying to get power and everything else, but his ultimate goal was get to the top of the ladder, and initially it's get Catelyn Stark, right? We didn't really have the motivation. Like, what what does Laris want? What is he what is he building towards? We did not realize what he was building towards was underneath uh, the queen's shoes. But now we know. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing the thing about it is is he he's a cripple, right? And and he couldn't like he couldn't run his father's household because of that, right? And so even though he's a, technically a lord, he doesn't have you know he's 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 not physically able to pick up a sword fight somebody right so so he has to wor- sort of worm his way into into use use his influence in his position to to you know get this position of power and and he had to have something over um Alicent because she can't get rid of him kind of well thing, that's right? it right now now he's we've already established he will go to great lengths to get what he wants he killed his brother like you know uh killing your father yeah. and your brother it's a power play in a lot of different ways, but it's also heinous and monstrous. This guy's somebody who's clearly committed to his cause. So again, spinning that up against her, he knows she knows that he's a loose cannon and he's probably better under her thumb than not. Right. Yeah. All right. Predictions last episode. So by the time you, well, before, before we get into that, just I want to uh, note here, I found that, um, according to George R.R. Martin, um, Aegon usurping the orange, the iron throne is from Rhaenyra is actually based on a real, real a situation where King Henry the first of England in 1135 had named his only daughter and only legitimate child, Matilda to be his heir of England's, uh, she'd be England's first queen. Right. Uh, Queen Regent, and um, but the throne was usurped from Matilda, Matilda by her cousin Stefan de Bois, uh, who arrived in London and was crowned while she was away in France, right? Hmm. Um, yeah, and St- Stefan's claims was backed by reports uh, that the king had changed his mind on his deathbed. 
Yeah, I knew that he, he pulled stuff from, from real life. That's a great that's a great one. Yeah, cool. So what lead on, McDuff? Yeah, so we talked about, you know, this episode, by the time you're hearing this, the final episode will have aired. There's one episode left, end of the season. We won't get more until hopefully next year. Do you guys have any thoughts, predictions, concerns? Does it end, you know, do we, do we see the actual outbreak of the Civil War? Do we see more politicking? Where do you think it goes on the on the last episode? Are we are we going to get a, a key player off the board? Like, what's what's going to happen? Yeah, I think somebody's got to go. I mean, at this point, um, and it's got to be dramatic. It's got to you know, it's got to lead us into the next season, right? So, yeah, good cliffhanger moments of there's going to be the scene with um, uh, Rhaenyras and and Damon going, "What? What happened?" You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think that they find out from like, is it is it basically you know, Renice flies straight there and says, "Guess what?" Yeah, that that or a raven has already been on its way or something like that. You know? Yeah, because because they they do get they do get a raven about I guess about Driftmark at the beginning of two season, two episodes ago, right? Yeah, I I wonder though. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's going to be like because as we talked about theoretically, Alicent won this little battle for control of Aegon in the short term. I wonder if it's a note that basically says, hey, we've crowned him. This is what the king wanted. You guys need to basically stand down because she didn't want uh, Rhaenyra uh, killed, right? Or or the family. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if if it's not like, a you know, we come in guns a blazing. I wonder if it's like, hey, we've done this thing. You should probably just roll with it. And that sort of starts the, you know, because Damon's not going to take this, you know, as much as, as mad as Rhaenyra is going to be, Damon's going to be like homicidal. Yeah, true. Are the other, the other people are at, uh, Rhaenyra and, and Damon are at Driftmark right now? Uh, no, they would have gone back to Dragonstone. So that's, that's where they are. Okay. So yeah, they're, they're at Dragonstone. The only person at Driftmark would be theoretically Corliss, the, the Lord, and he was not in good shape at last report. But the whole family, so so Rhaenyra, Damon, their kids, plus her kids from Harwin, Luke and Jace and Joffrey, would have all been back to Dragonstone. Because that's what he, she basically says in the last episode, uh, you know, I gotta take the kids home, I'll be back. And then this all happens. It'll be interesting to see too, especially, you know, we see the politicking happening when Alicent goes to Renice and says, you know, hey, we could really use on our, her, you on our side. She's doing the math because in spite of the fact that they kind of poached Vagar, the giant, the, the biggest dragon in the land, there's a lot more dragons on Team Black than there is on Team Green. I wonder, yeah, yeah. I wonder how that plays out if there's like going to be like a, you know, take out the dragon suicide mission in season two or again, I don't, I don't really have a sense of how the war plays out. Um, I, I might actually read the book between seasons just because I'm, I'm curious now, but I, uh, I'm curious to see sort of, you know, we know that this, this dance of the dragons, this huge civil war isn't just about, you know, basically breaking this family line down, but it also it's dragons, right? Cause we know by the time we get to 160 years from now, not only are there far fewer Targaryens, but there are no dragons. And, and all the Jedi are gone too, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see a key player or a dragon taken off the board in the first, in the in the next episode, just to spice it up. Just really? to spice it up. Some, something dramatic, so you know. Cute. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, no, it definitely has to be something something um, to lead us to the next season for sure. Like you know, yeah. Well, it's funny because usually you know, the season in in traditional sort of ten ten episode seasons of Game of Thrones, it's episode nine tends to be the sort of big set piece kind of giant thing, and then episode ten tends to be sort of you know stage setting for the next season, sending people off in different directions, you know. Uh, time for them to walk from place to place, right? Because that was the joke about Game yeah, of Thrones: yeah. is a lot of walking. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they where they leave this one off. If it's going to leave on a on a a high of well, you know, the war has begun, or if it's going to be like you know something more subtle. Yeah, we'll have to see. Well, let's move on to our watch list. In the meantime, Jaime, what do you got for us? So I made reference to the Kool Aid Man a few different times, and. I realize that not everybody may know. I don't know if they still run these commercials, the the same sort of um, boisterous enthusiasm, but the, the traditional sort of Kool-Aid Man commercial is kids doing something. It literally doesn't matter in this one that I've put in the show notes. It's from 1978. It's a bank robbers. So uh, two kids and a police officer who's not very good at his job are apparently trying to track down and stop some some bank robbers from getting away with their heist and they get cornered by said bank robbers until the Kool-Aid man comes bursting through the, uh, the brick wall and, and saves the day, right? He is the, he's the overpowered dragon in this, uh, in this metaphor. So, uh, it's really short. It's 30 seconds. I highly recommend watching. This is the, the charming era of, uh, the Kool-Aid man. And, uh, if you've seen that meme on like family guy and stuff, that's where that comes from. For those of you who, uh, I thought he was a jug of Kool-Aid. I didn't realize he was a man, per se. Well, yes and yes. I mean, he is a, a pitcher of a glass pitcher of Kool-Aid, anthropomorphized as a as a man, the Kool-Aid man. Okay. And then he pours himself, when he when somebody says Dracarys, he pours himself out over people? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It becomes this or weird sick fetish. Or something. That's, that's, I didn't know you were going to go there, Jaime, but thank you. Consume the liquid that comes from my body. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> there's, 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 no, there's no positive way to view this interaction. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's sticky sweet. Oh, yeah. oh, I can't top that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my thoughts anyways. So uh, we've got another Star Wars series coming next week on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Tales of the Jedi, which we, we got a teaser for. A few months back, I think at uh, at Comic Con or D twenty three, I can't remember which one, but um, this is the series that is a series of shorts focusing on sort of the the twin paths that are experienced by uh, Ahsoka when she's a little girl and sort of going through the you know finding out she's a Jedi and and sort of maturing and her experience becoming a Jedi and then also uh, Dooku uh, Count Dooku who you know did start out as a as a Padawan and then a Jedi and um, and then cross paths with some some pretty important Jedi along the way. His, um, you know, he, he was, you know, I think Qui Gon was his apprentice, and uh, you know, so we're gonna get some familiar faces. This is also set in the same style as Clone Wars, so it'll be very familiar faces, style of animation, and everything for people who are Clone Wars fans. So I'm, uh, I'm. Not sure what to expect from it. I, I never know what to expect from a short. How much are they really going to get into? How you know all that? But I am excited to see a little bit more of the backstory, especially for Ahsoka, as we and we know we're getting an Ahsoka series coming down the road. So seeing more of her, getting a little more of her backstory 
is interesting and even just the dooku of it all trying to see you know how did he fall why did he fall what was it we know that from a little bit from the books and and some of the ancillary information we've gotten but to see it come to life and to see you know this sort of disenchantment turning into evil is 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 a tantalizing thing so i'm i'm excited about the series uh, and it comes, uh, yeah, next week. Uh, I think it's the 26th. Yeah, that is uh, Wednesday. I got to mark my calendar for that one. Yeah. And I didn't see, is it, uh, it going to come out like the other anthology or is it like a weekly? Did you see anything about distribution? I, I haven't. I, I, it didn't say like it was premiering. It seems, sounds like it's kind of dropping. Like I, I got the feeling it's more like, uh, was the one Forky? Sporky lends a hand, or whatever it was called, the one from Toy Story. Sporky. Oh, is it Sporky? Yeah, Sporky. They did like a whole series Goodness. of those where there were like shorts. The same thing as the um, the ones from Up, right? They did the Doug Doug Days, where they kind of dropped the yeah. episode, the Doug Days or whatever. All right. Well, October twenty third, twenty twenty two, is going to be the Power of the Doctor premiering, probably across the globe on. Um, BBC and in Canada and who knows what it's doing in the States. I don't really care. But um, this is the uh, the end of uh, Jodie Whittaker's run as the Doctor on the Doctor Who series. So, and, and I've forgotten the name of the new actor who's taking taking her place, but she's going to um, regenerate into him and, and he'll take over and he'll probably see absolutely brilliant when he converts to her. Him. 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 Them, them. I mean, maybe he'll be a they. I don't know. I, I, but yeah, that's I think coming up. it goes by the, uh, by him. It's Nkutigatwa is the the actor's name, uh, and he. Yeah, no, I didn't. I meant in, in the character in the in the show, but um, so that this would be on this Sunday coming mm-hmm. up, right, twenty third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, tune in, folks. Kind of, it kind of, sorry, it came out of kind of nowhere too. Did were you surprised that it just it kind of went from like nothing, nothing, nothing to like oh by the way it's coming in like eight days or nine days? No. I mean, that's what Doctor it's, Who does, been, I guess. They've been, no, well, they've been hinting towards it for the last, you know, a uh, couple of months. I've I've sort of seen things. There was a... Because they had dropped that one weird episode about the, the sea, sea aliens or whatever they were, mm. sea, the, the last Doctor Who was kind of... It was kind of out there. It was like in the middle of nowhere. I think probably because of, you know, COVID and production timing messed up or whatever. The last two episodes of, of uh, Doctor Who were sort of weirdly timed mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. like in fact i missed i, I knew the sea sh- i i mean i i mentioned it on the show coming and it was it was a chunk of time before that one came out right yep. or was that christmas one i can't remember but they did i think it was new year's no, again this year wasn't it well it was a new year's show but then there was another show after that right during the year because mm. the new year's one was the one about the the store or yeah, whatever. yeah yeah it was elevators and things like that involved that was i like that show that that was an interesting one but the Sea Shandy one, I didn't see. See one, I didn't really didn't care for, but but I think that was leading up to this episode, which is. But this is a a um, uh, Cyberman episode because based on what I've seen on Facebook and stuff. Right, and then so just uh, in keeping in the uh, Jody Whittaker theme, I wanted to talk about uh, two other pieces that she was in. If if I had to pick um, shows that relate to this show. Uh, Attack the Block from 2011. She one of her. Um, roles where she she's the lead actress in it she plays a a work uh, just a, a young lady who gets mugged by a bunch of uh, hoodlums in a neighborhood and then there's like these space aliens that take over and she and her her muggers 
uh, sort of team up to take on these people. And the, one of the lead muggers is John Boyega, and it was one of his roles before um, Force Awakens, which was 2015. So I think they were probably probably very close. He was probably starting to, he probably got the role of, uh, in Star Wars before before they made it was around the same time, but anyway, this this movie did come out you know three years before Force Awakens. It's, it's a really good movie if you're into into in sci-fi, and I'm surprised it's not on as a Halloween sort of thing because it's it's got that sort of vibe to it. It's very um, very British in a sense, but it's it's a really really good movie. So check it out. And then the series Broadchurch. I think Broadchurch was two seasons. Uh, it was called something different in the American version, and I can't remember if Jodie Whittaker was in the American version or not. But because David Tennant plays an inspector, and um, Coleman, Olivia Coleman plays his, uh, he's like the big hotshot detective coming from out of town, and uh, Olivia Coleman is the um, is the local uh, detective and the two of them team up to solve uh, a child's murder. And Jodie Whittaker plays the mother of the child who's murdered. And so that, that goes on for two, two seasons, right? So really interesting, uh, interesting series. I don't know if you've seen it at all, but I highly recommend it. Some of the good stuff happening in that one. And uh, I wasn't going to talk about the Handmaid's Tale. I've been watching, I think we're in the fifth season now. but you know we've been the, the the gist of it is you know obviously is is um um you know Elizabeth Olsen plays um is that her name yeah right she plays uh, uh handmaid you know Offred is her name in the show and you know she gets out of I think it's Elizabeth Moss Gilead where you're looking for Elizabeth Moss yeah thank you Elizabeth Moss yeah she uh, she gets out of Gilead and um uh Sabrina is her nemesis who I mentioned last week and this season has sort of been pitting the two of them against each other. And the last episode was a complete plot twist. The whole plot turned left. <laughs> so I'm back on the I'm back on the bandwagon of recommending this show. It's a very, it, a lot of feels in this show because, you know, it's about, you know, women and, and their roles in society and, and how twisted one society can be. Um, you know, at the end of last season, uh, Elizabeth Moss' character uh, made it to... Um, made it to um canada to toronto right so she gets out of gilead um, gilead is part of the united states in in this future future sci-fi it only looks like downtown toronto. and then the last thing it sorry? only looks like downtown toronto <laughs> yeah boston boston uh toronto stands in for boston in in this uh this particular show so and plus you know some of the um buildings um i think justin was involved in a couple of a couple of episodes of this show too my nephew and um it's filmed some of the houses are filmed in uh, that they're in or, or some of the richer neighborhoods in, in toronto as well um where the houses are really nice and uh on apple tv um Shantaratam came out uh it's a show starring charlie hunnam from sons of anarchy uh he, in his native Australian accent. He plays an Aussie and uh, who ends up in India. And uh, interesting, sort of, uh, it's like set in the 30s, I want to say, uh, 30s or 40s. And um, he uh, he plays an ex-con who ends up in India and uh, basically ends up working as a, as a doctor. So I've watched the first three episodes, I think. Uh, they dropped two on um, a week ago and then the the last one just came out on Friday. So, yeah, it's on Apple TV. Check it out. Really good. And uh, looking forward to seeing where this one goes. So those are my watch list items. 
And that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you. Where would they find you? Oh, I, I've been waiting for this. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News, or you can find me on YouTube as at uh, youtube.com slash JPK. Ooh, is that new? They just added the uh, custom tags. So, yeah, youtube.com oh, really? slash okay. JPK. Cool. I have to check that out. I, mine, mine's still my name, but I don't know if I would change it. Um, and uh, Jaime, if you, <laughs> and Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where do they find you? I'm on Twitter as at DevTheHair. Get your tag before uh, before it runs out. Mine came, so, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm around 10,000 followers. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but they sent me a note. Yeah, maybe. They sent me maybe. a note that basically said, get your tag in. I was like, okay, I will. Yeah, I'm... Um... Yeah, I'm just some some sort of random series of characters, I guess. Right. So you're like YouTube channel, blah, 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 or you're just YouTube JPK now? It's, yeah, it's YouTube.com slash JPK. How did you get that? They sent me a note and said, click this link, go here, pick your tag, and off you go. All right, well, I guess until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Actually, a friend of mine who used to work at oh, introducing YouTube handles. I just got there. You too. go. Um, at uh, a friend of mine used to work at Space now CTV Sci-Fi, and uh, he sent a note out just a few days before the before the information uh, came out that they were going to move that Doctor Who special. I was like, oh, ooh, I got a scoop, but then it was gone by the time it by the time we recorded, the scoop was gone. I was like, oh damn, missed my window. It's going to be our first uh, our first scoop. Yeah, missed it. What's going to be your first scoop? Sorry. Well, getting getting ahead of the um, getting the information out there ahead of the the announcement that they were going to put that Doctor Who special on. He sent a note out saying, oh. "Hey, by the way, Who Who fan, their their special's coming." And I was like, "Cool, cool." But that was like, I think Saturday or Sunday last weekend. So it was between our recordings, so I I couldn't couldn't get it into our podcast fast enough. So my custom URL is currently. So channel URL, is that what you changed or you changed your custom URL? Uh, yeah, my handle, so. My handle? Because my custom URL currently is um, youtube.com slash C slash Tim Mitra. Hmm. So C for Canada? Candle? I guess this is an easy to remember web address for you. I guess they just, uh, but then this, but uh, yeah.
So do you do you do you know about using a um like I don't on Twitter I don't have um like if you go to my Twitter account and uh, or my Twitter handle and you look at my profile in there it's not just like I haven't just got a description that is me but there's like a link um what's it called link URL or something like that I get my profile here profile your link.bio is like a link tree of some sort yeah link.bio slash tim mitra and then in there i can i can put in all kinds of things like i have my mock rack which is where writers put stuff john i don't know if you know about yeah, that. No, yeah. Uh, yeah and then um, more than just code podcast podcast i got my twitter got my youtube i got my whatever so i have all this stuff in here already so hmm. yeah my socials my internet my instagram Got to log into this thing now, but yeah. So that so rather than having you know, I just put this one link on all of my social, and then everything comes to the one place, and people can find me from there. Link dot bio. Mm-hmm. Let people know that you've got an OnlyFans. <laughs> it feels like Linktree, and I haven't heard of Link Bio, but you know, it's basically like Linktree. It feels like it's all of those like yeah. Instagram people who are like. Oh, check out the stuff. It's like, oh, oh, I see you have an OnlyFans. Uh, that's uh, an interesting thing that I guess you decided not to put on the Instagram itself. So, like, by far, after, you know, like, Twitter and normal stuff, it's, like, yeah. by far, like, the most heavily used thing I've ever seen. <laughs> be, be like, uh, YouTube.com slash Laris Loves Feet. <laughs> so here's a question from a guy following in, uh, he lives in Vancouver. Who will be the next UK Prime Minister ahead of Lettuce, Boris Johnson, general election, or yes? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the, the Daily Star, the stuff, the the um, the Lettuce stuff? Oh my God, that's so funny. No. They basically, they, they, they decided to do a countdown. It was only a couple of days ago. They decided to do a countdown. They took mm-hmm. a fresh lettuce and they dressed it up to look like Liz Truss. Mm-hmm. And they put a picture yeah. of her next to it and said, who will last longer, the head of Lettuce or Liz Truss? So their headline, find, yeah. I'll try and find it for you. The picture for tomorrow's oh, newspaper see. on the front cover, it says like lettuce wins. And they've got a picture of this like big smiling head of lettuce because it lasted longer than Liz Truss. Oh, so bad. Yeah, that's why I had the Twitter link for the trivia. Like only prime minister to not have an episode of Doctor Who aired during their premiership since the show began in 1963, according to Morgan Jeffrey. Yeah, I just pasted a uh, link into the bottom of the. Um, Show notes is unrelated, but uh, show you guys what I'm working on. Trying to drum up some interest in the the other podcast I work for with a commercial. Hmm. Oh, somebody's got a combine, combine, uh, combine, combine um, poll going, Jaime. Oh, sorry, I was listening to the other the the link. Still got like 30 seconds left in Jonathan's link. Hmm. Oh, he sent a link. And where'd you put it? Down? It's at the bottom of the show notes uh, for this this week. Oh, this is your your. My day job. Hmm. So I've mentioned that New Amsterdam is my uh, guilty pleasure show that I watch. And coincidentally, this week's episode, one of the many topics that it covers is a shortage of nursing. Uh, Probably not for the same reason you're going for here in this episode. It was around one nurse who was uh, charged by an overeager prosecuting attorney with murder for what was largely like a medical accident. Mm. And so a lot of the nurses are like, uh, so she accidentally gave the wrong drug because she overrode this, uh, drug dispensing machine. Oh, and so the other nurses are like, uh, 
the machine won't let me give them the drug. And the doctor's like, well, override it and get the drug. She's dying. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to prison. I'm like, I've got, yeah. I've got like, I've got like kids, you know? Yeah. That's, that's nutty. Hmm. Topical. This show likes to, to amp up the drama. That's right. Was Ava on Global TV? Uh, no, CTV. She's CTV. She she worked for CTV for a very long, like decades. Yeah, I remember her. Now yeah. she is working with them still on some freelance projects, but she's also working with me as the host of the the pod. Mm-hmm. She's great. Cool. She's super super engaged and has a lot of great ideas. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, and I put in those other links. The one, the the first one that the Daily started a couple days ago, and then the one, the one for tomorrow's paper is killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it parallels the House of Dragons too closely, I think. Yeah, I I will laugh out loud hysterically if uh, if Boris Johnson ends up back as the prime minister. Well, because they they there's a lot of people that think that he set Liz Truss up to fail, right? That he basically was she was the poison pill where he he didn't want Rishi Sunak to be the the prime minister. He wanted her because he knew that she was gonna be a disaster so that he could swoop back in and be like i got this but he's a clown too so i don't know again i think what they need is what america needed post-trump something else somebody boring who does their job exactly. well the way that like 95 percent of all political action has occurred uh throughout history with just like spikes of uh you know extreme interest it should be normally fairly boring, not, oh gosh, I don't think I woke up early enough today. I might have missed some breaking news that was nutty. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's they when you wake up both. in a cold sweat going, oh God, I hope the president didn't tweet. Yep. Hmm. I am curious with the Boris Johnson, if he does return, if people are going to do the uh, the Thanos meme with his yeah. face on it of like, you could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you <laughs> back to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely there for the for the memes for sure. I don't like to sign it with Apple because I never can remember when I use it and when I don't use it. You know, I mean, I thought uh, One Password was doing something about that. I haven't tried it out, but I thought there was a remember which social login you used. Oh, really? Option that they had because I because I just uh, what I do is I I I put in the title sign with Apple so I so I remember how I did it. Right? But they were doing something about it, you think? I thought they had a feature. Uh, related to that, but I have not not tried it out myself. Edit, see what it does. Yeah, because it's a challenge. Like you know, trying to remember how I logged in. Right, choose new icon. Ooh, change an icon. Uh, no, nothing. The only not trick I could thing. think of is to do like a forgot my password check, and then see which one it goes to. Like, oh, okay, there you go. That was an Apple one. Mm-hmm or a Facebook or a Google one, it, it becomes a little bit more challenging if you have like, you know, let's say like a, a Gmail that you use to sign up for with uh, Facebook. I think that doesn't really help you in any way. Oh, I am using my, my Tim Metro one. Huh. I'm way ahead of myself. 27 new amazing free themes. Wow. Memo- they got emojis in here now. I can log out. It's all set. Good stuff. What else is new and exciting? No more baseball. Baseball season's over, man. Didn't you hear? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's over for everybody here on the show. Do, right? Will you continue watching the baseball playoffs, Jaime? Once your team's gone, not the playoffs. I'll end up picking up in the series, the World Series. Um, kind of similar to uh, to the NBA. 
I don't re- generally watch much of the playoffs and tend to watch the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I must admit, hockey season started last week, and I was not really very excited about it. I, I'm not not dying to watch it. I think one one heartbreak too many. You're just like, eh, mm-hmm, it's call me in the playoffs. Um, but the NBA started last night. I watched. Uh, or NBA started two nights ago, but I watched um, the Raptors last night and, <clears throat> and really enjoyed enjoyed myself and thought, yeah, I, I will watch a bunch of them this year because uh, that they are they are still at least still living off the glow of winning a championship. Hmm. Yeah, other than that, it's just uh, sitting here hoping for rain this weekend because we've had just awful air quality from uh, wildfires. So it'd oh. be nice to to flush that out of the the air, and if it reaches out to the part of the state where the fires are happening, hopefully help uh, keep the fire from spreading or even uh, contain it. Hmm. I didn't realize there was that many going on up there. Yeah, it's been on for like a while. It feels like you know. I'm sure it wasn't the air quality alerts uh, continuously, but it, it it you know emotionally feels like it's been like a month like this. Sitting right now, we're at 164, unhealthy. But it is better than yesterday at about this time, according to the Apple weather. We're looking to get rain on, looks like, midday Friday. So hopefully that'll start clearing out things. Hmm. Air quality for alert in effect until midnight. So I guess that means maybe the rain's coming soonish. We'll see. See what hmm. happens there. But it'll be good because it's been playing havoc with, like, my, um, um, what do you call it? Like allergies or something, oh, yeah, just yeah. getting headaches and other things that are just uh, not not good, not healthy to be breathing in that stuff. Yeah, I mean, we get that around here just because of the expansive humanity in this particular region is pretty huge. So we get poor air quality for a long stretch in the summertime sometimes. All right, Hummy. Next week, two Star Treks, a Star Wars, and a House of the Dragon. Nice. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. All right. All right. Talk to you soon, Until guys. next time. Talk. Catch you later. Where's the off button? <laughs> Bye.